Hello and welcome to Quad Trivia, the podcast that takes you a step beyond trivia and into the minds of the people who craft it. I'm Jeremy with Liquid Courage Entertainment in Chicago. I am Corey with Third Degree Entertainment in Eastern Washington and Northern Idaho. I'm Calvin with Footnote Trivia in San Francisco, California. And I am Nick Groves. Uh, I am with City Trivia based in Washington, D.C. Whoa, hold up a second. Uh, who the fuck are you? I don't think we've ever had you here before. It's honestly, uh, I, I haven't been here before. I was just trolling through Discord and saw a chat going ah, on. Shit, so we're accidentally it. recording in the public one, aren't you? Aren't we? <laughs> uh, Nick, welcome. Yeah, tell us, tell us uh, more about you. Tell us all kinds of shit. Yeah, so uh, I, I uh, funny, funny enough, I got started in trivia. I mean, I was, I was always a player, right? So I played in college, loved going out to pub trivia games, um, loved going out and proving that I know more than everybody else, which uh, at the time was accurate, not so much anymore, mainly because my quality of friends has increased. Um, Are you the, sure about uh, that? <laughs> I mean, you're well, here. Not, no, not this group, but the, the other people that I hang out with. So, yeah, the... Uh, um, I, I played a lot, and uh, and then it at about twelve years ago, ago or so, maybe thirteen years ago, um, I decided to get out of the job that I was in. Uh, I was a general contractor. We were doing multi-million dollar renovations for rich people in in Washington, uh, and my boss said, "Well, I'm retiring. Here's the company," and I said, "Absolutely not. Um, there is no way that I can do what you do. There's no way I can take that over." So I said, all right, what am I going to do with my life? I'm, I'm almost 30 years old. Uh, it, is, it is time for a career change. Uh, I know construction. I'm a decent sales guy. Um, I'm going to go into real estate. I'm going to sell people houses. So I went out. I got my real estate license uh, in, in D.C., Maryland, Virginia. And I said, all right, now that I have my license, how do I differentiate myself from the 10,000 other real estate agents that are in the city? Uh, and I said, you know what? I love playing trivia. I'm going to go to a local bar in an affluent area of the city. I'm going to ask trivia questions and create my own game and create my own format uh, and basically just entertain people. And uh, I went to a bar and I said, hey, uh, it's Wednesday night. There have been seven people in here for the last three hours. Uh, I want to do a trivia night for you. And they said, sure. Uh, I said, great. Give me free free beer and we're in. Uh, and they said, done. So the next week I showed up with my first set of questions. Um, and after about two, two and a half months or so, I had built up a crowd of over a hundred people per night at that venue, like people standing on the stairs, people standing in the doorway, they had to hire extra bouncers. Uh, and what I found out later about, like I said, about two, three months in, um, two guys came up to where I was hosting, uh, and said, all right, here's the deal. Uh, we come in here once a quarter. We own the two bars on either side of this one. Uh, we come in here once a quarter to talk shop, to, to exchange notes, to go, you know, basically to bullshit. And we come here because the food's good and there's never anybody here. So we walk <laughs> in to have our dinner like we always do. And lo and behold, there's nowhere to sit and we're pissed. And I look at the two of them and I go, uh, sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of in the middle of something. They're like, yeah, yeah, we know. Do me a favor. You're meeting with him at one o'clock tomorrow. You're meeting with me at two, bring contracts. Nice. So uh, I went to the uh, to the owner of the first bar I was at and uh, I said, hey, out of curiosity, 
what is this worth to you? Because I, I had no idea. I had no idea how the trivia business worked. I had no idea w- what the money, what the numbers were or anything. Uh, and he looked at me and he goes, I've been waiting two months for you to ask me that. Uh, $300 a night sound good? And I went, no, I'm not asking. Yeah, yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> and he, he reached into the drawer and he handed me $300 in cash at the end of the night. And I walked away and I went, huh. Well, if I can get these other two guys to agree to $300 a night, I'm making almost $1,000 a night hosting trivia. Uh, I wonder what would happen if I tried. So I started focusing on developing my trivia company. And a dozen years later, uh, this is obviously pre-COVID because, you know, I mean, come on. Uh, We were up to uh, 117 venues in the Washington market. Uh, we had venues, uh, we had, uh, three other markets that we were doing trivia in, uh, all over the country in Portland, Oregon, and up in Boston and Baltimore, Maryland. Um, and we were doing really well. I had a full-time staff of 10, a part-time staff of 143, uh, and everything was rolling and humming along great. And I was real happy. Um, now I sit at my desk in my house and do podcasts. So everything comes full circle, I guess. Okay, so you weren't like really doing trivia seriously then. It was just like a, a fun little side thing for you. Oh yeah, yeah. It was it was well, you know yeah. what the, the the funny thing is is after a dozen years and with that many venues and that much stuff going on, uh I had a staff and they were amazing at what they did. And I just my job became what's next. Right. Nice. I did I had nothing to do with the day to day. I had nothing to do like I was on our podcast, but I didn't run it in any way. Um, I just sort of sat around thinking about things we could do next. Uh, and we did a bunch of those and they were a lot of fun. Um, and now they're not, (laughs) no, I'm joking. We've actually been able to pivot over the last nine months, uh, during the pandemic. And we have uh, a whole bunch of stuff we're working on that is very, very exciting. Well, shit, dude. I think you've got us all speechless. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a fun ride. That's fucking awesome. Uh, yeah. and then if you want to touch a little bit more on, on your podcast right now, before we, uh, jump into the real meat of the episode. So, yeah, we, we started, uh, the, the first podcast that I ever did, uh, I said to myself, all of these trivia companies are out there there. Everybody does, you know, you got your hint of the day, your hint of the week, right? Go follow us on Twitter and we'll give you the hint, join our Facebook group. And we'll tell you what a question is tonight, right? It's everybody had the same thing at the time. Um, so I said to myself, what do we do that's different? We, we should do that. Everybody does it. We should do it too, but how can we do it in a slightly different way? So what we ended up doing was we started a podcast. We called it, we don't know either. And, uh, basically what we did was we just stuck microphones in the room where we were sitting, discussing what we wanted to write the questions about that week. Right. Um, and the, the conversations were, Hey, did you guys know this? And we'd, we'd ask it as a trivia question saying, uh, you know, yeah, okay, here's the question, see if you can answer it. And we'd basically uh, write trivia based on those conversations. So if you listened to the podcast, you'd have an idea of, you know, one or two questions that would be asked that night, and that would be your hint of the day. Uh, and we were, we were able to do that successfully. We, we published an episode every week uh, we just did episode number 403, I think. So we've, we've been doing it for, for, well, we had a little bit of a break there with, uh, with the pivot and, uh, with everything closing at the same time, 
Um, but outside of those couple of weeks, we've done it every single week and we've done 403 out of the last 406 weeks. So we've been podcasting for a while. Um, and the late episodes are slightly better in quality than the early ones. <laughs> we, we learned one or two things along the way. So that podcast was, we don't know either. Uh, about a year ago, uh, I became pretty close friends with a guy named Jonathan Oaks, who runs the Oaks Media Group, which is Trivial Warfare and Foreplay and Blitz and uh, Talking Fat and a little podcast that he and I came up with called Things That Are Blank, which is uh, basically just a $25,000 pyramid meets taboo kind of show where two players play against each other. Uh, and the winner moves on to defend their championship on the the next week's episode. So we've done 52 episodes of those that have aired. Uh, and we have uh, a lot of them currently in the can for season two. But season two is supposed to debut in January. Um, so if you go to TrivialWarfare.com, you can find the links to uh, everything, things that are blank related. So those are the two main podcasts that I uh, that I have a part a hand in these days. I will say firsthand that things that are blank is a lot of fun. Yeah, Jeremy. Uh, Jeremy was a contestant you, in season one, uh, and he he played well enough in season one to earn himself a spot on the celebrity side of the table. So now he's the one disappointing contestants instead of me. So it's worked out real well. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's there's a lot more pressure on the other side. I, I'll say that. Like, oh, I didn't just let myself down. I let somebody else down. Yeah. <laughs> so, but that being said, yeah, the, the last 12 years or so, it's it's been a hell of a ride. It's been a lot of fun. And uh, I'd like to think that I've learned a thing or two. <laughs> Maybe uh, just a couple, right? Yeah. Now, really you, quick to hit on because we kind of skipped over it a little bit. Um, what... Uh, what did you see happen, you know, in about March this year, uh, as far as the trivia side goes from your side? I know we've all talked about it a lot um, from our side on the show in the past, but it's interesting to hear from the guests and your perspective on it. Yeah, well, so nine nine months ago, back in March, um, I, I've, I've had a lot of time to reflect on this and a lot of time to break it down. Uh, I spent the better part of a week with Jeremy. Uh, and then as soon as I did that, the entire world fell apart. So <laughs> that's that's what I think the impetus of the whole thing is. I'm not I'm not I'm not totally convinced of it yet, but that's 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 where I'm I'm landing these days. Um but no, so, so we we Nick and I <laughs> drinking in Chicago during Geek Bowl equals pa worldwide <laughs> pandemic. That's what it that's what it comes down to, right? Exactly. So uh so yeah, I went to Geek Bowl in Chicago this year, uh which was an an absolute blast. It was a lot of actually the the whole the 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 story actually starts a little bit later, uh, a little bit earlier than Geek Bowl. So the weekend prior to Geek Bowl, uh, I went to a wedding. Uh, my director of operations for the DC market was getting married, and literally the entire company, all ten full time employees, uh, went up to Pennsylvania where she got married. We had people that flew in from from uh, Portland, Oregon, and and up in Washington, and. Uh, in Baltimore that all came up to her wedding. So we were all there having an absolute great time. Everything was going wonderful. We had no idea what was about to come. Uh, and we had that great party. Then I went to Geek Bowl in Chicago and I spent the better part of a week with some 
absolutely incredible and amazing people. I'm so excited that I had gotten to meet everybody that was part of uh, part of the organization and to have it in Chicago where Liquid Courage is based and where, um, you know, all all I mean, Chicago is one of the trivia hubs of the country, as far as I'm concerned, uh, was was an absolute blast. Um, Us I got... West Coasters <laughs> are awesome, too. Yeah. Yes, the West yeah, Coast also has the Chicago is a trivia hub statement <laughs> here. There can be more than one hub. Okay. Yes. I like to think Spokane um, is the trivia hub of Eastern Washington. So sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I got back from Geek Bowl on on Sunday night. And then Monday morning, uh, you know, every, everybody, everybody in Chicago was following, you know, the whole COVID thing. And we were all looking at the news reports and we were all talking about what could happen. And uh, I talked with my business partner uh, before every Monday. We have a, a, an all hands meeting Monday morning, first thing, just to discuss everything that's on the docket for the week. Uh, and we had the whole staff came into the office that day. I called everybody in. Um, usually we had a whole bunch of, uh, uh, different ways of, of doing things, but we brought everybody in and I said, okay, look, here's, what's going to happen. Uh, I don't know when this is going to happen. I don't know how it's going to happen, but it looks like it's going to be bad. So I want everybody to save their pennies. I want everybody to get a little bit, uh, more into the thought of us taking a break for a little while. Um, because sometime in the future, that's going to happen. That was Monday morning. Friday morning, we told everybody we were shutting down. <laughs> so Jeez. it was less than a week. Uh, the state of Maryland, D.C., and Virginia all forced restaurants and bars to close. No more public events, you know, limits on the number of people that could get together. Um, and, and that essentially was that. We actually closed down before those orders came in. Um, trivia being the whole point of trivia is to draw large crowds together indoors. So, um, my staff all got together. We thought about it during the whole week. And then on Friday we said, we can't in good conscience continue doing this. So let's shut down for two weeks and hopefully we'll all be back here on March 27th. Ha ha ha. Yeah. <laughs> well, here have we you are. pivoted to any like online games kind of just generally, is there still a way for your avid fans to play your games in the recent weeks we absolutely did we we just like everybody else we moved over to facebook live um i think we were one of the, what the one of the first people that moved over there uh to start doing events and at the beginning we were doing five hour long events per night uh and then three weeks later we moved to three events a night and then one event a night and then one event every two nights kind of thing uh now we're just down to once a week so there has been a significant fall off over the course of the nine months. Now, so we have, oh, good. No, I was, I was gonna say the, the other thing that we've done, one of the things that I'm really excited about uh, is we started building an engine uh, for trivia apps. Trivial Rush is the name of the app. Um, and it is uh, 10 questions in 60 seconds. Uh, and the highest score for the day wins real money. So nice. uh, it's been a lot of fun to put together. It's a lot of fun to play. Uh, nothing is more exciting than when you have something in your head and then all of a sudden it becomes a reality and you can hold it in your hands. Uh, so that's that's been something that's been really cool. So we have very limited distribution of it right now. This is uh, pretty much some of the first uh, promotion I'm doing for it. Uh, so if you get in now, now is the best time to get in. 
because the prizes are great because uh, we're funding them right off the bat. And uh, there are very few people you have to beat out in order to win them. So trivialrush.com for more information uh, and Trivial Rush on both the Google Store and the Apple Play Store. Um, it's a it's based on the format that I used for our live games. So if you're familiar with any of the City Trivia games, uh, it should be a very familiar format. And I'm and sure I will we'll say, get more into that later. I'll say, I will say I, I did get to beta test or alpha test where we're doing this app, and it is a lot of fun. So uh, it has my stamp of approval. Now, Nick, I, I have to admit something to you. Um, this is actually kind of exciting for me. Because okay. I, I'm still fairly new to the trivia scene. Uh, I only got into it five, six years ago. Uh, turns out there's like s- still so much about this shit that I don't know, including the whole geek bull or what. Like, I, I still don't know what the fuck most of that is. Uh, but when I first started out and I was looking for uh, fun and interesting things that I could incorporate into my trivia games, I stumbled across the stuff that... Uh, I, I really enjoyed and one of them in particular was called foursomes uh, oh. under a category called Google proof trivia, which uh-huh. just so happens to have been put out by district trivia. Yes. And, and so for uh for a few months, I actually, I started, I created some of my own foursomes and uh, was using that in my, my trivia. Um, and like I said, first of all, I just wanted to to admit that I stole your shit blatantly. Uh, but also, I really appreciate I think that's like really awesome, really fun. And it's it's really cool uh, coming up with things that aren't easily Googleable. So uh, I, I just wanted to mention that and thank you and and admit it. And for someone who d- doesn't know what foursomes is, do you want to uh, maybe like a quick, yeah. quick summary of that? Yeah, so the 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 premise behind Google Proof Trivia was if you're going to do trivia on Facebook, what's to prevent any of the the players from of cheating? Of course. Right? How yeah. do, how do you do that? So we we tried to develop a couple of different formats that were were Google Proof. As a matter of fact, Google Proof is a little bit of a misnomer. It's it's really Google required trivia. <laughs> um there were so many different part questions and so many different vague vagaries involved with it. Uh, that you needed to Google the whole of the internet and put together all of the random clues into something. Um, foursomes is uh, is is ba- it's basically just only connect. Uh, if you're familiar with the show from the from the BBC or, or from um, whatever channel it's on over in the UK, uh, but I put together it was a grid of 64 words, uh, and there were 16 sets of four words that were connected in one way or the other, uh, and there was only one way that the whole puzzle fit together. Uh, so you had to put all of that together. You know, you could have something like um, Washington, FDR, uh, Lincoln, and Eisenhower. Uh, and you go, oh, those are presidents, except Truman is also on there. And gotcha. so is Kennedy, right? So, okay, well, if there's seven presidents on there and it's only a group of four, then which four are the presidents? Is presidents even a category, or is there some other connection? And is rises? one president potentially used as a different category, like exactly. know, state capitals, or exactly? Uh, so it would be, you know, four of those presidents are presidents that appear on U.S. coinage. Gotcha. Right, 
And then Washington is, you know, the state of Washington, which connects with Texas and California and Florida. Huh. That's a cool idea. They're a lot of fun. And I, uh, like I said, I I kind of took that idea and uh, tried to to make it into a format that would work with my trivia, uh, like within my, the confines of my live game, as far as uh, the... Uh, amount of time that it would take and scoring and that was actually why i wound up having to drop foursomes is because it was it it replaced a round that was worth 10 points and trying to come up with a way to keep it around uh, that 10 point uh, threshold was was proving a little bit difficult Uh, but i i want to know and granted, you didn't really do this in a scoring fashion. It was it was the first person to complete it. Um, but if you were going to score foursomes or some of your other Google Proof trivia's, uh, how would you do so? Did, did you have any ideas on ways uh, that you'd be able to bring those into your own games? Uh, not yeah. not as part of the live pub trivia. One of the reasons uh, it ended up being what it was, which was just a, a fun game to play online. Uh, was because um, it, 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 I, I, I started writing them. I had a lot of fun writing them, and then they were impossible to score in any sort of reasonable order. And with, with the size of the games we had, I mean, we had games that had 240, 280 people at them on a weekly basis with you know, 60, 70 teams in them. You, you can't score 70 foursomes in any sort of reasonable right. period of time. So yeah, we just did them online uh, rather than in the live games. Um, I thought for a little while about doing sort of smaller versions, maybe you know, eight by eight grid or uh, yeah, eight by eight grids instead of the the you know sixty four. Wow, that they were eight <laughs> by eight grids. Uh, doing four by fours or two by twos and breaking it down, making it smaller, making it more manageable uh, for the hosts to score. Uh, but there wasn't really a good way to do it. And when it gets smaller, you sort of lose the the grandioseness of it. Um, so that worked, that's why it worked really well online. Yeah. Oh, well, and that, that also, uh, leads nicely into our topic, which is scoring and scoring systems. Um, because obviously we can come up with all kinds of really awesome and fun, uh, game modes like foursomes, but if you can't score it appropriately, if you, if you can't, uh, do it in such a fashion that it doesn't you know, completely negate all other uh, scores from that night or whatever, like you, then you can't use it. Uh, so that's that's our topic today. Scoring and scoring <laughs> systems. Uh, to me, scoring in trivia is kind of the second most important thing after just asking the question and providing the answer because it really, like, I feel like that's, Every like, how do you determine out of all these smart people who are able to answer questions? Scoring is the way you could really uh, sift teams to the top or the bottom. And I feel like outside of like you can't really control whether people get questions right or wrong, but by controlling the scoring, you can really dictate the pace of the game, how people do, how people approach questions. And I think there's just a lot of flexibility in using a trivia night's scoring to encourage certain types of behaviors or certain types of things. So I thought it'd be interesting to just kind of at first, just quickly go around. Maybe we could discuss all the ways we score things because 
Um, I feel like we would all do it differently. I think it's something that we've all developed on our own over the years. Well, why don't you uh, why don't you start us off? Tell us what you do. So I inherited the system that my old host did, and it's been brought to my attention that this has been used at some other trivia companies. But I do one question, one answer. So the scores kind of reflect that. But uh, questions get grouped into groups of three. And in each group of three questions, you can use one of three point values. I pick one, three, and five. Some other places do one, two, or three. And you can use each point value once per group of three questions. So if you ask the first question and the team's very confident they know the right answer, they pick a high value like a five, they're a little less confident one or a three. And then question two, you can't use the one that you picked. So by the end of the three rounds, you'll have picked three different point values. And then you rinse and repeat. So that's the kind of system I decided on. Uh, they're all different topics. They're not the same topic for each of the three questions. And I, I like it. And we could get into why I like it later on. All right. Well, I'll jump in here. Uh, for me, I, I, I do a 10-question, 10 10-answer 10 format, uh, which we've talked about before. Um, five rounds, 10 questions each round. And every question is worth one point for the most part. Uh, you know, sometimes I'll throw in for a bonus point or, or change it up one way or another. But basically, we're looking at uh, a 60-point game. And I say 60 points for five rounds because I also do an audio round uh, where I give one point for the artist and one point for the title. So, And again, we'll, we'll definitely talk about why I do that uh, in a moment but that's my mine's pretty simple I, I think that it's uh fairly common in in trivia yeah i know for us we do um chips uh as you mentioned before and even in the triv now app we use a one two three four five point system so you choose one through five for each round and once you've used that chip it's gone for the rest of the game and how so many questions gives... are in each round uh, there's 10 questions in each round. Got so it. it gives the teams the chance to choose what they think is their strong strongest topics and then place the chip value accordingly. So if you think you're really good at entertainment, uh, you could put your five-point chip on that, and that point could be that round could be worth up to 50 points. Uh, then it's, you know, 50, 40, 30, 20, 10, depending on which rounds you choose. And you you pick your chips before you hear any of the questions, therefore you go solely off the category. Correct. Um, now, with Triv now, they make you choose after the first question of the round, but you still only get that first question and the category. Got it. So it, 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 all of our rounds are usually a mix of different topics. So um, like history in the arts is could be anything. It could be Broadway. It could be Shakespeare. It could be historical questions. Um, so you kind of know going in that that's what it is. Entertainment, music, movies, TVs, things like that. Um, and so, yeah, you get the general broad scope of the the round and you base your wager on that. Okay. And I guess lastly, Nick. Yeah, it's tell uh, us about your game. Yeah, the system that we use, uh, it is five rounds. Uh, it's 11 questions per round. We have 10 questions plus a bonus at the end of every round. Um, the questions are in increasing difficulty over the course of the round. So question one is one point, question two is two points, question mm -hmm. 10 is 10 points. Uh, and then the bonus question allows you to wager between zero and 10 points on that question. Um, we do. So you have like uh, a final jeopardy for every round. 
for every round exactly yeah. so we ask all 11 questions and then we collect the answer sheets at the end of the round in between every round uh we have a like a worksheet round a bonus round we do a picture round puzzle round fill in the blank round and music round at every game so we have nine total rounds uh with 105 questions at every event wow and is that a is that a two-hour event it is a two-hour event it's an hour and 45 minutes 215 it depends on how large the crowd size is you go through questions quick then we yeah. eat questions like you would not believe yeah <laughs> so interesting so yeah i, I think one you know point for um, the first one in a moment here we'll we'll dive a little bit deeper into each of our scoring systems uh but still speaking about them generally um i i kind of want to talk about how you got to the scoring system that you did you know was it did you just decide to do it from the start and it hasn't really changed or have you tried other things and settled on this uh, especially if you've had feedback from the players that that led to you using the system that you do uh, kind of talk about that if anyone has something to say about it yeah I mean so basically the 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 reason why I picked this system um and and apologies. Uh, to some of the people on the podcast before I, I get too far into this. But the 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 system that I played most often, I played uh, the game that I played most often prior to starting uh, myself was the team trivia format uh, out of Atlanta, uh, which was the um, four rounds of three questions per round with the way, you know, pick and, and you know, it's it was it was that system, um, which I believe is the most prolific system nationwide uh it's the longest running and the and the most pervasive i think um and my my big my big problem with that system when i was a player was that uh i'd go out with a whole bunch of friends we'd sit down they'd ask the first question um you know if it, if it was an easy question or it happened to be an all real house one of us would immediately write down the answer put the you know five seven points on it or whatever it was hand it in and we'd sit back down uh, and what I found during that time was um, they'd ask the question, we'd turn it in immediately. They'd then re-ask the question, they'd play a song in between. Um, they would then ask for everybody to turn them in. They would then score them. They would have then read out the answers. They would then read out the score updates. Uh, and all of a sudden it was 12 minutes since the first question and I had forgotten that we were playing trivia. Um, so the reason I picked the format that I picked, we, we came out, uh, I sort of came up with it on my own, uh, was because people, if people are there for trivia, let's give them trivia. Let's give them all the trivia they can handle uh, and make sure that they're having a good, uh, a good time doing the thing that they came here to do. So right. that, was, that was the main thought behind the format. So I guess it's to basically like max, like it was a little slow for you is kind of what you're getting at. Exactly. And that's, that's the, 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 without getting too much into philosophies behind trivia itself, there is no perfect trivia format that can be introduced across the board. And it's great no matter how it's used. The perfect trivia format is whatever is best for the audience that you have. That explains why you would do like more of that, like 10 question at a time. What made you want to do the, the first questions worth one and the second questions were two and so on and so forth? So that's that's actually a, another one of the philosophies that I've adopted uh, very early on and maintained throughout this. The the 
the concept of the trivia elite player, the amazingly intelligent, the James Holes hours of the world, right? Um, the the I think a lot of people in the trivia writing, the trivia hosting community, uh, look at Holes Hour and go, "Man, I can write a question that can stump him, right? I can write a game that can stump him, and I can I can sit there and I can I can absolutely do that." And you know what? I I think we all could do that. The question is, would anybody else have any fun? <laughs> yeah. Right. And and that was my biggest thing is that for every trivia elite person that comes out to one of the pub trivia events that we do. There are uh, husbands or boyfriends or wives or cousins or parents or children that are not the main trivia person. They're not the the center point, the, the team captain that's drawing these large crowds together. Um, and, and if they just sit there for two hours while the trivia person is answering all the questions because they don't have a clue what's going on, how, how is that fun for them? Yeah. Uh, so the, the reason why I picked the format I did, the reason why I wanted to start with, with some easy questions is to make it as inclusive as possible. Um, and the, the single best example that I saw of that was, was pretty early on. Uh, there was one, one of these people, really super smart guy, and he was good looking and he made a lot of money. I really hated him a lot. <laughs> uh, he came out, he came out to our events every week. And every week he'd come out with a, a, a new girl. That was his date night. That was his go-to date <laughs> night. Instead of coffee, instead of, hey, uh, let's go out and get a drink, he'd go, hey, I go out and play trivia on Wednesday nights. Why don't you join me? The two of us can get together. Let's go on a date. Let's go to a trivia night. And this guy, he would sit close enough to where I was hosting that, that I could hear a lot of his conversations going on. And, and on top of being all of those other things, he was also a super nice guy. Uh, and, and basically he'd sit there and, you know, it'd be like round one, question number one, uh, what do you get when you mix yellow and blue? And he'd look at his date and he'd go, I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> right. And she'd go, well, yellow and blue together. That makes green. And he's like, you know what? I think you're right. And he, he would do it in a way that was much more sincere than I'm making it sound. <laughs> Right, like he'd do it the right way instead of sounding like an ass. So I mean, like, like I this am. guy was actually pretty fucking smooth. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And like, so round one, question one, two, three, four. All of a sudden, his date's getting questions right. He's giving them all this positive encouragement. Like they feel good about themselves. He's he's building them up. Um, and then the questions would start getting harder. Right, <laughs> we'd get into the sevens and the eights and the nines, and all of a sudden he'd go, "Well, what what do you think about this movie? That's a good. Let's talk about the movie. Forget about the question for a minute. You know, they talk about movies that they had seen together or music that they had listened to. It was just, it was the perfect opening for for actual conversation with a date, um, and it worked out so well. And then and then he'd go, "Hey, what do you think of this? Is the answer? And then when it would turn out to be the right answer." she would be even more impressed with this guy that he was also intelligent, but he would do it in such a way that did not make him annoying or overbearing. Right. And, and that was where uh, it really cemented in my head, the concept that trivia doesn't have to be for one type of person. Trivia should never be for one type of person. Trivia should be as inclusive as possible, as wide reaching as possible. It should make as many people feel as good about themselves as, as it possibly can. Um, and by allowing a format, allowing uh, a scoring system that incorporates all of the different types of people that could be at the bar uh, into the entertainment portion of the event, um, 
that was what was what what I thought was the most important part of a scoring system. That's what I thought needed to be brought to the table in order to be as successful as possible as a person putting on a trivia event. We have to appeal to everybody. So you're I, uh, saying you created the scoring system that basically got, got a geek laid. Yes. Well, it doesn't sound like he was really a geek, to be fair. Smart, not, not yeah. a geek. Uh, I'd like, he should have come to some of my games and he could impress uh, his dates with his knowledge of, is this a firework or a porno? right (laughs) yeah no and we we do those rounds too you know we have we have those kinds of rounds and we do you know it's it's like i said it's it's all based on the audience and it's based on having fun and you know what the other piece of this that i learned while trying to appeal to everybody is you can never appeal to everybody it's it's not possible somebody will always be unhappy somebody will take offense somebody will think it's the funniest thing they've ever seen and will absolutely love you for it and some people will never come back because of it so when when it, when it all breaks down to the end, uh, you, you do what you think is best and you do what you think is is entertaining and the, the rest of the pieces fall where they will. All right. I'm going to ask you a difficult question here. Okay. Uh, do you see any negatives to your scoring system? What, what downsides are there to it? Uh, and assuming you do see some, are you planning any changes to fix them or are they things that you've just decided, uh, you know, you'll live with, uh, talk about cons. Yeah. So the, 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 there's, there's cons to every system, right? Um, the, when, when you do get into talking about the different types of people that attend an event and you try to appeal to as many people as possible, it ends up that, you know, there, there are some people, the, 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 like I said before, the, the people who are the trivia elites, the people who are, um, the, the best of the best in the world. And, and here in Washington, DC, I, I, I would like to think that we have more of those than maybe a lot of different places in the world. Uh, when you ask a one point question, you know, who lives in a pineapple under the sea, uh, <laughs> they're going to look at you, roll their eyes and never come back because this is a dumb game and I don't need to waste my time on this. Um, or they go the other way and they go sweet three points. Uh, and then they they get their challenge in later and they dominate so much that it turns other people off to the game. Um, and that's that's where we've gotten into. We, we've changed our format. We're always tweaking our format. We're constantly tweaking our format. Um, when we expanded out to Portland, Oregon uh, with with Bridgetown Trivia, what we decided to do was that the the existing company that we sort of absorbed had a a format in place where one of the rounds was uh, a drawing round. There's just so many artists that attended his games. They gave out a pack of crayons to every team and a blank piece of paper. Whoever had the best drawing at the end of the game uh, ended up getting X number of bonus points. So we added that into our game in Portland. We didn't add it into DC because, you know, our artists aren't very good out here, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that was something that that was beloved out there. They they absolutely had a blast doing it. If we had said, no, our format is right. We're taking this away. We would have turned a lot of people off. And that's what they liked. So we kept it in. I've bought so many crayons. <laughs> <laughs> so I had a question. Um, so one point for the first question to 10 points for the last question is a pretty big swing, right? The last question is worth the first four questions combined. Um, do people generally get the last question right? Are you trying to shoot for people to get it right? Do people get really like 
Like, I feel like it's a big deal whether you get the last or the close to the end questions right, as those could be huge swings. Uh, people like, do people like really take that seriously, freak out if they miss it, get really upset if they didn't Right, yeah. The I mean, the, the, the first seven questions and the last three questions are equally weighted. Um, so, so that's, that is a part of the scoring system that, that is, uh, it's, it's an interesting piece of it. Uh, and what, what we tried to go for, what we tried to hit was, you know, maybe half the room gets the nine pointer, maybe 30% of the room gets okay. the, uh, gets the 10 pointer somewhere in that general area. Um, and the, the, the equalizer that we brought into the format, the thing that, um, that I liked the most. Uh, and that we got absolutely the most negative feedback on was the bonus question in every round, right? So there's 11 questions in a round. So after we go through one, one through 10, there's a bonus and you can wager as much or as little as you want on it. Uh, and because of the nature of that question, what ended up happening is that the the the, the elite trivia players, they they scoffed at it. They scorned it. You know, zero, they, they would go through the score sheets at the beginning of the night and circled zero on every wager the whole way through because it wasn't a quote unquote trivia question. It wasn't a fair question. It wasn't something that was in their wheelhouse or it wasn't a, it didn't fit into the box that they have for trivia questions. So they completely ignored it. Um, and the questions were always sort of ranged questions, right? It was, you know, with within 10 million, what is the current population of the United States? Right. So that okay. is something that that, you know, it, all, all of us in this room, I'm sure know it's what is it? It's real roughly around 330 million right now. Right. So 320 to 340 is 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 a correct answer. What would end up happening on questions that that you didn't know, the people who were getting the 10 point question right refused to answer it. And the people who weren't getting the 10 point question right would end up having an uh, an awesome discussion about the question right they would sit there they would break it down they would go through the different pieces of information that they did know that they could apply to it and sure at the end of it they may take a guess and say yeah i'm only 70 percent confident in this so they'd bet seven points and about half the time they ended up getting it right so it would take the people that that embrace the game and embrace the entertainment level of it more than the competitive trivia side of it. And it would elevate them uh, to be in, in competitive fashion with, with the people who knew everything. You're kind of so, highlighting one area where it's like, it makes it seem like the elite teams are like, they feel good when they know they know the question or they know they know the answer. And if they don't know, they know the answer, then they're just like, okay, well, I don't want to figure it out kind of. And everyone else who is, Everyone else is like equally trying to get it because they don't want to, you know, they they want the points or they might have missed something. Is that kind of? Yeah, no, I mean that's that's exactly it. And and honestly, the thing the thing that I loved hearing most as a host was having the table next to me get into an animated discussion about <laughs> you know what the wager should be about you know where the the guest should be within the range and and you know try to move it around and then the game theory that got involved with the players versus the trivia writers saying all right they're not going to ask this question unless the answer is zero or one right it's an impossible question so the answer has to be one right it's not going to be four million eight hundred thirty two thousand one hundred twelve right we're never going to get there so it has to be one so it was it was it was a lot of fun watching them try to break us down 
And then going back the other way, us learning how they were learning about us and trying to rewrite the questions in order to uh, to be as interesting as they were at the beginning. So I've, I've got one concern uh, with your scoring system, and it may be due to me uh, not fully understanding it. Um, but it, if I'm getting this right, question one would be like, who lives in a pineapple under the sea? And then would number 10 be like, how many compounds were identified in the chemical composition of the hymeniacidon sanguinea sea sponge from the Canary Islands? No. Oh, God, like, no. No, 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 no. <laughs> that, that would be like a 70-point question. <laughs> I, uh, I'm just meaning like with the swing being, and the, the concern that I'm, I'm having is, uh, are those uh, higher value questions going to be uh, the more, you know, holds our or yeah uh, like the trivia gettable exactly um, like, like to the point where date uh, of the somebody yeah. who's just there literally to get drunk and write on paper you know they're they might do fine on questions one through four but they don't really stand any chance of winning uh is that am i understanding it i mean which is okay yeah. too like some people right go to the more difficult trivia for that reason and that's okay right <laughs> i'm not right. trying, no, trying to shit on you here. <laughs> right yeah no, no 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 absolutely no and that's that that would as far as i'm concerned if that was the case that would be a problem what what we would try to do uh was was do gettable questions right they they wouldn't be as niche as the example you used <laughs> but they would be more along the lines of like if you're a fan of this group you're you're probably going to get it it's more along the lines of you you have to know this for the most part, um, but it's not going to be difficult if you know it, okay. right? Um, you know, it's some some examples of of like nine point ten point questions in Back to the Future. Which nationality were the terrorists that Doc Brown built a fake bomb for? Right, that's not that hard if you've seen Back to the Future. It's impossible if you haven't seen it. Yeah, right. Love Angel Music Baby was which singer's first solo album? Right. If you haven't okay. listened to that singer, you got no shot. So those so, are actually way easier than I thought, because that would be yeah. uh, the Libyans and. Yep. Uh, no, now I'm blanking on the second one, but OK. Uh, no, see, I'm, if you only go 50 50 on the question, you can't really say it's super easy now, can you? <laughs> yeah, well, well, I'm not saying super, just easier than I had expected it yeah, to be. It's no right. sea sponge. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's uh, it, that was, by the way, is Gwen Stefani's. That's first right. Album. Damn it. So I'm going to I'm going to pivot from your game to talk a little about my game. So, yeah, Corey, Jeremy, feel free to yank it away from me at any sure. point. <laughs> but um, so I did the the um, I, I, no, I don't know the name of that national company, but that one wagering format that you team trivia, team trivia. There you go. So I don't think my old host was team trivia, but he might have. I mean, it's a very popular system. So um, what I like about that system, though, is the fact that I can ask, like for starters, I can ask three very difficult questions and every team will decide which one is the one in their wheelhouse. You know, like if you if you like to me, it's always been a particular question prescribed to a particular point value. Well, if, if one team doesn't like music or doesn't watch television and then all of a sudden that week, well, the high pointer is something that they don't really know. Okay, well, that's a bummer. But if you have give them the option to pick which questions they deem easier or harder, 
it kind of is a little more fair in that regard. They get to decide them, which is the one that like they know. And it really alludes to this idea of knowing what you know, right? So it's it's one more dimension for me to craft my questions. And yes, I don't ask that many questions a night. And as because of the format, the questions I ask are typically more involved. They're not as straightforward as like question answer the way that you would see more in like a many question night. So like I've definitely tailored my questions to the format of my game rather than the other way around. And there are some things with regarding like kind of like fairness and balance of categories that I really like about that system. So that's that's one of the pros that I saw. And the con definitely you already hit on. I don't ask nearly as many questions as you do. And to me, that's the one thing I wish I could change about it. It's just difficult to get through a lot of questions. Yeah, I mean, it's it's your format. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a, no, like there's, I simply don't have enough time to ask it. It's not right. like, oh, I like no one wants to be here for three hours. I don't want to be here for three hours. It's just right. an inherent limitation of the system. But like, yeah, that's like one way I like kind of calibrate to like super good teams is uh, if you, you can always give someone at least like chances are they might know one really difficult thing in three topics versus here's one really difficult thing in one particular topic. Sure. I do like that. I have played your format more than any format maybe except for my own. Um, and I, I do really like the option of being in control of my own destiny. The the idea that, like you said, I don't know that. Great. It wasn't worth very much. That makes me feel good, right? Or I, I do know that. Great. Let's put all the points on it. And it, it, it does, from a player's perspective, allow the player to control their experience in a game more so than, than a format like mine. Jeremy, I haven't heard your voice in like an hour. Do you have any questions for Calvin? <laughs> uh, no, I've just been enjoying the uh, what you guys are talking about. It's, it gives me a lot of ideas here. Like I said, I, I'm, I'm working with a system that's not necessarily my own. I know how it's evolved. Um, but I really, I, I've played a ton of other trivia games. And it seems like everybody has their own scoring system. And it's really cool to hear the inner workings of the thought process behind actually creating them. Or even though I didn't come up with a system, I'm trying to think like, what does my scoring system emphasize? Like, you know, like what characteristics does it bring out of a game? And like, to me, I, because I only thought about my system for a while, is it, it's really, I think it just boils down to like, knowing what you know, right? So if like, uh, the game should be different if your team is 100% confident about an answer versus like 25% confident about an answer. Because if there was a prescribed score, it doesn't really matter how confident you are. It's going to be worth the same amount of points at the end. But whether you know you know it becomes a factor in how many points you get for the question. So like to me, that was the emphasis of my scoring style. Maybe Jeremy, over the years of Liquid Courage and their system, is there any kind of like underlying philosophy that your system brought out any tweaks that kind of like led towards one thing or another actually really quick i, I do want to yeah. hear uh jeremy's answer to that but calvin i do have one last question oh, yeah. for you mm -hmm. uh so you do sets of three basically right yes. with your with mm -hmm. your scoring when you're writing them do you intentionally write like an easy a medium and a hard one in each set of three or do you just kind of 
uh, let it go random and see Good what question. people do or don't know. I generally have one easier one, but the trick is you don't put it in the same spot for every round. Sometimes yeah. it's going to be the first one, sometimes it's going to be the last one, and it keeps people on their toes. Um, yeah, I try to keep the questions really diverse. There's going to be usually like, like this isn't a hard and fast rule, but usually like one super specific type of question, one's a little more general that kind of requires like understanding the question more than just straight up knowing it. And uh, yeah, I I try to keep it as mixed as possible just to keep people on their toes. All right. All right, Jeremy, back to you. Uh, I'm excited to hear what you have to say, especially I want to know more about y'all's chip system, too. Yeah. yeah so I know Jason, uh, I didn't meet him super early on. Like he had just I think he'd either just started the chips or had been doing the chips for a little while before I met him because uh, I've known him for over a decade now. Um, and basically the point was, I know he had tried some like Jeopardy style stuff before and some other game show styles before getting into the chip system. Um but the biggest thing with it is it really gives the players control. Um, it, it's a way to kind of equalize, like you said, in other ways where either going beginning to end, like growing difficulty or whatever. But we have the theme categories. So we've got one, two, three and four, which is uh, history and the arts or. Um, wow, my brain's fried as to what we're actually <laughs> calling it now, because we just changed it from history and the arts to. Um, something else but history in the arts uh, <laughs> uh and then round two is your sports and games which is a mix of uh sports and games questions and games could be video games board games yeah you know anything in that realm um which is usually seven sports questions and three games questions um and then we have our entertainment which used to be called music movies and tv so it's still the same thing just more generalized topic and um i would say probably half of the teams or more will choose that as their uh big round which is interesting to hear a lot of other people talk because it seems like they have more non pop culture trivia players, at their games. Whereas we tend to have people who love pop culture and they are going to, they usually put their big chips there. Um, and then we've got our uh, geography and science round, which is a mix of geography and science questions. And then we have our round five, which Wait, changes whoa, every whoa, week. Hold up, hold up. I know these, these category me, yeah. titles. They're so, they're so vague as to what's included within them. You're telling me that the geography and science category has a combination of both geography and science? You know what? I'm just going to start drinking. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Jeremy. Regardless Actually, I do have a real, yeah. an actual question mm -hmm. about that. When you say science, do you, are we talking like, like, do you stick to more you know, chemistry type science? Or would you... Uh, argue with the players that it's like, oh, this is the science of words. This is the science of, you know, like uh, kind of think outside of your own box with sciences. Um, I think it's a little of both um, because, yeah, there are some of the general sciences, uh, physics, uh, uh, biology, uh, chemical elements, things like that. And I, I usually try to ask at least one chemical element question, things like that at my shows. Um, but mathematics is fair game. It's a science. Okay. Um, so we'll have math in there. Uh, you know, geography isn't necessarily where is this country. Uh, it can be anything to do with geography, like volcanoes or, you know, I guess geology. You know, geology too uh, would kind of fit in there. But I guess that's more of a science, so it kind of fits the round either way. Um, See, so we were teasing you, but it's it's yeah, a, a genuine uh, point. 
point of yeah so it's broad you know i I say that but it's like it's hard to describe because it is a broad category like you're right what what falls into a science um you know you could ask a phobia type question that round uh because that's that falls under science psychology um regardless of what the categories are like it's it's the scoring that i'm more interested in the sense that is there a do people generally like do audiences consistently put their high chips on one category and the low chips on one category, or do you feel like it's pretty mixed? Uh, it's definitely pretty mixed, and okay. it depends on who's playing the game, and it depends on what venue we're at. Um, like at my venue, there's a team who will always put their four or five point chip on geography and science. Uh, they will constantly put their one point chip on sports and games. There's other teams at that same venue who will put their five point chip on on sports and games, knowing that they're really strong at sports and they ha- they're going to get seven out of ten no matter what. Um, and then we have our equalizers we put in there is our freebies. So you get three freebies a game. You can use them on any questions you want. If you don't know the answer, you can turn in a freebie. So uh. what that does is it, you know, you have the team that will put their five on sports and games, knowing they know jack squat about games, but they are really good at sports and they will consistently nail six or seven of the sports questions every time. Um, and then they have maybe, you know, they have an end people know tabletop games, ask them about Monopoly or ask them about Scrabble or something like that. They might know it. If you ask something about a video game, they might have no idea or vice versa. They might be really good at video games. They might be really into sports, but know nothing about tabletop gaming or old card games or anything like that. So that's where the freebies come in. So they actually can strategize in those rounds to go, we're going to put our five point chip down. We're going to get these six or seven for sure. If we get lucky, we'll know one of the gaming questions, and then we can save one of the freebies for our four-point round. Um, otherwise, they could put in their freebies on those three questions and at least get nine out of ten in the round or get ten out of ten and get the full points. Uh, you did mention when you were first giving us like the, the rundown of your scoring system uh, that you're seeing a lot more people using their five-point chips on the uh, pop culture round, uh, more so than you'd expected, right? Yeah. I would say uh, a lot, probably at least half the teams will throw down their big chip on that round. So since noticing that, would you, have you guys uh, adjusted for that? Like, do you, do you think maybe the pop culture rounds were a little bit too easy? Have you, have you uh, started making them more difficult or, uh, you know, have you done anything? Have you changed anything up because of what you were seeing? Um, I guess a little bit, at least I've tried it. My games to shift it up. And uh, especially because my game in particular, which I've, I've talked about in the past on here, uh, I have a very diverse crowd at my game, which is really strange considering the bar it's at. Um, well, when we have live trivia, I should say, but the bar I usually have my week, my personal weekly show at is anybody from 21 through 75. And it's a mix of race and culture and it's really interesting. It's at this towny bar that if you're there any other night of the week, it's very much, um, at least from what I've seen when I'm there, um, later at night, it's the old like second shift workers coming in and sitting there and having a beer and they all know each other. Uh, it seems on trivia nights, we've been bringing in a really diverse crowd. Um, and I think it's great. So it's really interesting to try to write the questions around that, knowing that, and it's something I tried to focus on. Is like, how do I ask stuff from, particularly in this round, let's say, I will ask questions from 50s, 60s, 70s TV shows. 
or movies um, that I might not have thought of asking earlier on. Um, well, I, I, I like this. I think this is important, um, but I do. I'm, I want to reel you back towards the topic of scoring. Uh, and I, I think that it's actually still what you're saying uh, brings in a good uh, question for the scoring. But yeah, that, with, that's I mean, with what you're saying, that's exactly what uh, I, we were going to with that question is like, have I shifted my questions because of people putting down their big point chip on that round? Yeah. So I guess the quick answer would be yes. <laughs> and it's because of that. Um, well, I also want to know, um, with seeing those eclectic crowds, uh, do you believe that your scoring system kind of, uh, is your scoring system an equalizer? Does it give people that maybe aren't as good uh, in geography and sciences uh, a chance to still put up some high scores and have a chance at winning? Like, uh, Or do you talk about that a little bit? <laughs> yeah, uh, no, it absolutely does. Because if they're not good at geography and science, they could put their one point chip on that round. And that round's only worth 10 points for them. And let's say they're really good at sports and games, five points on that one. Or we have our theme round, which is our round five every week, and that one changes. So people will sometimes shift that will usually put their five or four point chip on the like entertainment round. And they're like, ooh, that one sounds fun or that one sounds in my wheelhouse. And they'll move their five point chip to that round and not knowing really what's coming in that round. So that's kind of fun, too. So I got one last question for you. Uh, your regulars, do you, do you think they consistently wager the same like week in and week out? Like they know if they're good at sports or not, right? Like they've been playing. They know your questions. They know your game. Do you, do you think you're the consistently regular teams wager the same amount over and over? And if they do, is that something you want to try to push them away from? Or is that just kind of the way it's going to be? Um, I don't think I'm ever going to try to push people away from something that they're having fun with. Or, or I should rephrase. If they know every week they're going to be wagering one on science and geography. It's not a right. Like it, it, there's no reason for them to ever change that up. So every team will pretty much get locked in the same way. Yeah, I mean, that, I, I've seen night, with the right? with the regulars and the people who play it on a normal basis. Yeah, I can definitely tell you what chips they're going to put on with a good guess on every round. Like I said, the, the only um, thing is whatever the theme round ends up being that week. Um, gotcha. Sometimes that will shift things around and it does. It does make things interesting because they might think this is going to be a really good round for me. And they will move that five point chip from the entertainment round to the theme round and then tank. Right. <laughs> Or vice versa, they might have a, we just might have a tough uh, science round that week and it's a team that's really good at science and they do awful on that round and they save their one point ship for that last round and then they get every question. Is there and, any concern? It, it, it doesn't, it, it doesn't seem like this is the case for, for your system, but uh, there was a, there was a, a company here, used to be a company here in DC that ran a system that when you'd sit down and it would have all the rules of the game in front of you, it was like three pages of rules in six Jeez. point font single spaced um and it was it was you know when you sit down and you go through it and you learned it it was a great format it had ins and outs and nuances and little pieces that you could do but it was just so complicated as a system that like the casual player would be like yep i'm not reading that and they'd leave <laughs> yeah like, is, know, the, is there any concern about the complicated nature of the not not that yours is overly complicated yeah. but at, at being more complicated than some you know actually i that's a that's a good con of our system uh to bring up is 
when there's new players, they ask a lot of questions. Now, when you get it, it's very straightforward. And once they get it, they get it. There's really no, um, I have questions three weeks into this game. Um, it's sitting down, they see these chips. It's very daunting. They've never been to a game like that. Um, and they ask a bunch of times, what am I supposed to do with these? What are these for? What are these freebie cards? Um, and then as they start playing, and but usually by the time they get through round one, they've got it. Um, and I, obviously I'll constantly ask it. I go over the rules before the game. If there's a new team, I go over the rules with them personally. Um, but yeah, it does seem very complex. We do have, <laughs> it's funny as you say that, on the back of all of our boards, because, well, before COVID, we were using whiteboards. On the back of it is a sheet glued to it uh, that's like, um, you know, in like a in like a sleeve with the rules. And right. you'll see people sit down and start reading these, and then they just look up and like, I have a question. And yeah, yeah and no, you're absolutely right. That is definitely a... Um, a, a that would be definitely one of the cons, but usually it doesn't stay a con. It, it just looks more daunting from the start than it really is when you get going. Um, and sure. but that's usually the feedback we get too. It's like, wow, I was really scared to play this at the beginning, but I had a lot of fun. And that's what I like to hear at the end of the game. One, one of the real quick, one of the real things that I liked about the format that we use was that walking around, I'm sure you've all have experienced this. You walk around to all the people that are sitting in the bar before the game starts, right? And you say, um hey you want to play trivia no we're leaving soon we're not into it we're not interested blah 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 my response yeah. then was always great no problem you know if you change your mind i'll be right over there i'll have a score sheet waiting for you and then i would ask my one point question and they'd get it right and i'd ask my two point question <laughs> and they'd get it right and then three four five all of a sudden now hold on a second we're five for five in this trivia game we're killing it and they'd come up and they'd grab a sheet and they'd stay for another two hours playing out the rest of the game. And right. then they'd come back the next week. I, I can't tell you how many people I, I turned from no's into yeses just because they were doing really well. Yeah, no, I've seen that happen as well. Or the people who are like, no, we're not going to play. And then they'll see the other people having fun. And they're like, okay, we want to get in on this. So then they'll either they'll either get in late or they'll be like, talk to one of the other teams there. Like, well, can we join a team? It's like, hey, well, I know these guys over here. They'd always love to have some extra help. Exactly. And then yeah. they come back and they bring their own team the next week. Right. You get to play and, matchmaker first yeah. time. Yeah. yeah. And then they they buy more booze. <laughs> yeah. uh, Nick, I used to host my trivia at a wine bar. So you could imagine the sheer number of first dates <laughs> that I've oh, seen. Oh, God. Yeah. Absolutely. So that your statement resonated with me very strongly. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we're good. <laughs> uh, there is one thing. So um, you did articulate that. Yeah. Simplicity is easier to jump into people like hitting the floor running and getting the questions done we haven't heard from Corey for a while who said that he follows a rather straightforward kind of same point value thing with just a couple of wrinkles thrown in Corey, what do you like about keeping things straightforward keeping things easy to understand well you know the the real big thing for me um and a lot of it goes back to why i started trivia in the first place uh, is I want it accessible to everyone. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I started off hosting in dive bars and doing, you know, just raunchy shit for uh, crusty old people that otherwise wouldn't give a fuck. And, you know, I had them uh, playing trivia and having fun. And uh, so I've, even as the company has grown and matured, um, I still try to keep that, that accessible to all mindset. Uh, and so I, I think that 
with every question being worth, you know, basically every question being worth one point, it allows me to do that. I don't have to worry about, you know, some team that's going to come in and they've just got that really smart person that's going to nail all of the the 10 point difficult questions and uh, kind of ruin things for everyone else. It it gives everyone a shot. It keeps them kind of on, on even ground. Um, and I will do uh, to an extent what Nick was talking about. I'll, I'll have uh, some easier questions to start with, especially round one questions, one, two, and three will typically be quite a bit easier for the exact same reason. Uh, just so that people hear it and they're like, Oh shit, uh, that's easy. I know this. I, maybe I should play. And kind of trick them into staying uh, for that reason. But then <laughs> oh, gotcha. we know all the tricks, don't we? <laughs> right. But then after that, it's just a crapshoot. You know, question number four might be the hardest question of the night. Yeah. And then question 10 will be just as easy as the first one. Uh, so I do kind of bounce around from there. But uh, yeah. And, and like I said, the accessibility is. It's important to me, and, and I've tried to construct the entire game around that. I uh, include quite a bit of, of pop culture, um, and I try to level it out with some of the more stereotypical trivia uh, questions as well. You know, putting reality TV right next to uh, geography and science in the general knowledge round. And that's really the, the main driving force for me uh i i want i want the town drunk to come in and play and have just as much fun and have as much of a shot uh, as the person who has won jeopardy three times uh which i did have at one of my locations and uh, more often than not she would win but not always uh, because i i try to throw in things that you know, just uh, are outside of that typical trivia wheelhouse. One of them being uh, primarily the audio round. Because as I mentioned, I, I do make my audio rounds two-point answers. Uh, one point for the artist, one point for the title. It allows... I, I feel it just allows a little bit more freedom for the people who aren't super into music, uh, but recognize it. You know, they, they've got an in, they... They don't feel like they're missing out if they don't know both parts of it. Uh, but it also really lessens the blow of the more scientific or historical or geography-based questions. You know, you do uh, well see, on that audio round and you can miss some of those general knowledge rounds. Nothing makes me angrier than a music round. As I'm <laughs> sitting there, as I'm sitting there listening to every song singing along word for word with any song that is played in a music round could not for the life of me give you the title or <laughs> but you know what you would probably crush all of the questions that i asked and so that's nope, my i would get those wrong too <laughs> <laughs> well my goal is that you would get the questions right and just suck at the audio around <laughs> sure um but yeah and uh, that's that's really the uh ins and outs of mine just keep it uh, pretty straightforward. I aim for, you know, a 70 to 80% get rate uh, for the winning team at the end of the night. And it also makes it a lot easier on my end. <laughs> I don't have to worry about <laughs> what each question was worth. I just mark it right or wrong. Um, 
I will I, say, um, switching to virtual trivia has been a little bit of a trip in getting my system started. When this whole thing kicked off, I just did same point values for everything. And that was okay, but it wasn't the same. So it took a little bit of finessing to get certain features added to the platform that I use to eventually support it. But now that it does, I'm very happy. Yeah, the, the only thing I really had to give up when switching to virtual was doubling. Uh, I used to allow teams to double one round every night. Um, they could choose which round they were going to double as long as they made that decision before turning in their answer sheet. So they would see all five categories and then, you know, at the end of round one, if they felt they did really well, uh, they would just double it before turning it in. And, and Nick, um, for your virtual games, do you score it the same way as your old live games? We do, yeah. It's it's cool. exactly the same scoring format. And uh, yeah, we, we wanted to make sure that, that with the people, when they were missing going to their regular trivia nights, would get their regular trivia nights when they came out to the virtual. Yeah, that it's been weird uh, overall, the, the transition to virtual. Only, you know, on those fronts where uh, it didn't uh, translate well. Uh, I'm actually in the process of trying to bring doubling back into my uh, my games, and I'm hoping we can do that. Uh, just again, it kind of equalized things when when somebody had a round they did well on, uh, they really got to to count on that round and, and let it carry them uh, through some of their weaker points. Obviously, no doubling the the audio round, but yeah. Yeah, that's mathematically advantageous. Yeah, when I first started, I did allow it. And even the teams that weren't strong at, uh, you know, the the music questions, they'd still be doubling it because they'd be getting 10, 11 of them right. And it'd be like uh, doubling a perfect any other round. So uh, I cut that out pretty quick. Although I uh, this is scoring system related. Uh, Doubling came from uh, for mine anyways, uh, the very first venue that I hosted at, they had a bunch of these uh, wooden chips that uh, their their patrons could turn in for a free drink. Uh, I think it, like, it came from like their pull tabs or like if they got the high score on the pinball machine, shit like that. And he they gave me a bunch of those chips for a free beer and asked me to utilize them in trivia somehow. And so I'd give one of those chips to every team and I would say, hey, you can either take this chip up and one of you gets a free beer or you can turn it in with your answer sheet to double your, your score. <laughs> and so if it was oh, a team that's that was like... That's so mean. Yeah. Well, I mean, yes and no. Uh, but if it was a team that was like, the tonight's just like way too hard for us. There's no way we're going to win. At least one of them still got a free beer. <laughs> I guess you get so, a free Yeah, when you yeah. put it that way. It's like we it's can win this beer. game, but beer, game, <laughs> beer. It's the ultimate toddler. Beer. Yeah, it's the ultimate toddler <laughs> dilemma. Do you want one beer now, or maybe <laughs> five beers later? Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, Calvin, I think you had something uh, something else you wanted to oh, throw yeah. in re- in regards to doubling. Yeah, just kind of having everyone talk about what they emphasize. I I realized that like in. I, I really use the audience's answers and responses as input to calibrate my difficulty. And I, I personally find it 
like really useful to I'm always constantly adjusting my game to how people do and having scoring as an input from my audience I think is ultimately why I like or what I like I like that aspect of scoring and I value that in my game over more convenience number of questions etc so just like being able to use uh, scoring as an additional way an audience can input information to me and Corey, I think your doubling round is also like that's technically input, right? Like that's yeah. uh, oh, absolutely people. Well, exactly, saying, like, it directly is like I said when everyone was doubling the audio round, I had to say, wait, <laughs> you know, this isn't working. I need to adjust yeah. it. So it's it's definitely valid. So like any any more ways I can collect input from my custom customers, huh? My audience. I don't have customers anymore. My audience. Um, that's that's why. I, I find it, it kind of just clicked for me as we were all discussing. Kind of oh yeah, this is just feedback. It's just another way of feedback I get of whether questions easy, medium, or hard. Yeah. Well, I, I do think that that is infinitely important, and and even though we've touched on it a couple times here, uh, I think it's something that probably, honestly, needs to be touched on more. That that scoring is such an important part of the game that people probably think of as just kind of a byproduct. Like, yeah, of course you're going to have to score the answers and figure that out. But it can be a major factor in how your game is received and how much people enjoy it. Uh, real thought and time needs to go into the scoring system. Um, I've got one last question in regards to scoring for everybody. Um, and just jump in with your answers. Like I mentioned on mine, I shoot for an overall night score of about 80% uh, of the total possible. So I, I like to see those scores, you know, anywhere really from like 35 to 45 points out of 60. Uh, do y'all do the same? Like, do you do you look to get a certain amount correct? Do you adjust your, your question writing or your categories accordingly? Or uh, does it play any factor at all for you? I mean, I know in mine, I try to shoot for about a 70%, like get rate across the board. So a lot of it comes to knowing your audience, I think, at the bar. Um, and again, that comes down to them wagering, you know, so per question average of about 70%. Yeah, we we have um, we have had the fortuitous foresight of keeping every score sheet from every trivia night we've ever done. So I've got about 25,000 score sheets wow. uh, saved over, over the lifetime of the company. <laughs> um, and, and funny enough, a perfect score in, in our format completely unintentionally is 420 points. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, okay, it's just awesome. unintentional. Oh, no, right. I mean, I, I swear to God, it was two years before I even realized that that was the perfect <laughs> score after starting to use the system. Uh, and our our winning scores, the high scores at most bars, are right around two hundred and eighty points, oh. which is which is about a two third get rate. Yeah, it's about a sixty six percent get rate. Um, yeah. I think the the interesting thing though about our scoring system is that uh, correct answers does not necessarily equate to score, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you could get one through seven right in every round and go fifty yeah. percent. Right. So you you got, uh, you know, 35 out of 50 or whatever that is, 42 out of 55 questions right for the night, but it only equated to a 50 percent score. 
<laughs> and that that is a number that that when we saw that was the average, we went, yeah, that's about where we want it to be. So that's where it is. Now the great teams, the amazing teams, the the super teams that are put together of these amazing yeah. trivia elite, this the Steve Bonnemans and the Steve Perrys <laughs> and the you know all all of these incredible the Jeff Kings of the world, they come together uh, and they they form one team and and they go three fifty, three sixty, three seventy, yeah. Right. And that's that's where I know that, OK, the game is hard enough that they're not going to go perfect without thinking about it. But it's also accessible enough that people are going to get 80 percent of the questions correct. Um, it just depends on which 80 percent they're getting that determines the winner. Yeah, um, I really like numbers and calculating things. So if <laughs> Nick, if you ever if you ever want to do some more calculations, I'll, the score I'll send sheets. You, I was gonna say I'll send you a link to the twenty five thousand files if you could give me a nice barcode breakdown. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, so yeah, uh, my game it, usually it's about like the winning team has about ninety percent of the points, and the average team has about sixty eight, sixty nine percent of the points. And um, I think these are higher because kind of um, since you get to pick the point values, even if because I have one, three and five. So even if you get only two thirds of the questions correct, you could still theoretically get 24 out of 27, which is 90 percent. So if you're clever in wagering and clever in knowing what you don't know and what you do know, you could still miss a lot of questions, but get a decently high score, which is what I want to encourage. So, yeah, like right, right around, I shoot for that like 80-ish percent, 70, 80 percent on it for an average good team. Of All right. Well, I, I did lie when I said I had one last thing, but this actually is the last thing. <laughs> okay. And I, I don't think we really need to go into any discussion about this. It's just more of a uh, quick answer. Uh, but Nick reminded me of it with his 420. Have <laughs> any of you ever had a perfect score? I, like I said, I'm going on about six years now. Um, definitely not 25,000 score sheets, but you know, at my peak, I was doing 10 games a week. Uh, and I've, I've been up for six years, so I, I've had quite a few. Uh, never had a perfect score on my end. Oh. Uh, 25,000 score sheets. Uh, we have had one perfect score. Uh, and when I looked into it, because obviously, you know, such an anomaly, uh, turns out the host uh, opened the wrong file and used the questions that had been used like two weeks earlier. Oh, oh no. <laughs> no. And, and the person in the room was somebody who took notes at every game. Type oh, jeez. So that was our only perfect score. Yeah, so that's a that's an asterisk exception. right yeah. right up there. Yeah, right. <laughs> I think I've had one, but I don't ask. I asked like thirty questions, so just. If you ask 50 questions, just by the very nature of trivia, you're not going to know one of them, no matter how easy it is, right? It's like, yeah. so I think I yeah. had one, maybe two. I, I say I, I've had none at my shows. And if I recall, um, I don't believe Jason has either. So in Liquid Courage history, no real ones until we hit online and we started getting some of the mega teams. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Where, uh, 
you know, shout out to uh, no better social distancing than the Atlantic Ocean, which is uh, Addie Lewis, Nicole Newlist. Um, I think Jeffrey Seguridan has joined them sometimes. You know, Clinton's on that team. Uh, it's um, it's in it, and out it, it, for eighty or ninety different people, but yeah, those are the yeah, ones. yeah. It's like if for anybody who knows those names knows exactly what I'm talking about, and it's like, yeah, they, they've gotten one, one perfect game. Well, uh, to take us out of the subject and, and into the keyword challenge, I, I want to challenge all of you to try something uh, uh, when we get back to live, or maybe even if, if somehow we can start it in 2021. Uh, something I've always wanted to do with the scoring is every single game take you know uh, X amount of dollars out of the overall prize according to how far the winning team was from a perfect score and put it all in a, a bucket. And if at any point a team gets a perfect score, they get the entire <laughs> bucket. Or, it's a it's a, it's, a de- it's a death pool. Yeah. Uh, except it's a perfect score pool. Yeah. 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 Or at the very end of the year, at the very end of the year, you take the entire amount. You say, fucking sucks to be y'all. You keep half of it as a uh, <laughs> trivia tip. And then the other half just goes to the the first place team on your very final game of the the year. Huh. Huh. Gosh, that would make so many of my regulars so salty if they saw another (laughs) regular team win that one. It it could be. I I think, though, that especially, you know, halfway through the year, uh, when you start getting into some of those those slower slower, uh, trivia months, it could actually be a draw. It might be fun. Uh, as yeah. that, that pool gets larger. But uh, I think that's that's it. But uh, that'll bring us then into our next segment of the show. Um, if you have any questions, comments, uh, anything like that, uh, reach out to us at quadriviapod at gmail.com. What are some of the best scoring systems you've seen? And uh, what are some of the worst scoring systems you've seen? What is something that really turned you off to a show if it had to do with scoring? Uh, let us know, and we will read that on the show. Um, but yeah, time to move on to this week's keyword challenge. Uh, for anybody who doesn't know what the keyword challenge is, uh, anybody listening to the show can submit a keyword at quadriapod at gmail.com, or we've got a form going around on social media right now. Uh, you can click on that and submit a keyword. And what you do is we will pull one of those keywords randomly uh, right before this segment, and we will spend 10 minutes off mic trying to write our best question we can that either includes that keyword in the question or in the answer. And we'll come back and ask them to each other. So this week's keyword sent in by Alex Sund from Mike and Denise's in Yorkville, Illinois, is The Undertaker. So we're going to spend 10 minutes off mic. And uh, thank you to Alex for sending that in. Uh, and we're going to try to write the best question we can about The Undertaker. All right. So uh, cue the porn music, and we'll see you guys on the flip side. Hey, everyone. Jason here. While the host and I step away to think about our keyword challenge, we just wanted to remind you that you can check us out online at QuadriviaPod on Twitter. On Facebook, just search for Quadrivia Podcast, And you can always email us quadriviapod at gmail.com we're always happy to hear from you and now back to the show and welcome back we have had some time to come up with the best questions that we can write is everybody ready oh are you ready yeah Ooh, well i will get us started <laughs> wow i'm it's, 
been a while since I was the first one to start things <laughs> off. So I'm glad that no one is going <laughs> to spoil my thunder. My question goes like this. What word is shared by the symbol used in mathematical proofs, a city in Arizona that's home to a historic corral, as well as the signature move of the wrestler, The Undertaker? I do feel pretty confident on this one. It sounds like you do as well. Uh, Jeremy? Uh, yeah, as a wrestling fan in the 90s, but was my biggest time I was into it. I know this one. My only question say. would be, how many of those do you think you know? Did you, yeah. Do you know the mathematical proofs one, or are you banking solely on the wrestling? Oh, I'm, I'm banking solely on the wrestling and then the okay. Arizona City. Uh, yeah, same yeah, for I got me. it from that one, too. Gotcha. Mathematical proofs, I don't remember this being a term, so I'll There's have you two that. symbols. That's the only issue. So, I, right. so it's one. It's a symbol. It should be a symbol using mathematical proofs. Um, well... Uh, like I said, Nick, we, we often dance around this. Um, would your answer also be found in the frozen food section? <laughs> I right? never, th I didn't think about that, but I think I, if that is what whoa, I think whoa, whoa, it wait. is. I'm checking with, I want to right? make sure I'm on the same page with my, with my uh, teammates here. I mean, I don't <laughs> think there's a Tostitos, Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> It's uh yeah I believe I believe my answer would be found in the frozen sections right next to the hot pockets. All right. Well, uh, then, well Nick, would you like to? Oh, okay. Yeah. I guess as, as like I let, Nick can Nick can go ahead and give it. He's the first one to come in with thunder on that one. <laughs> yeah. <exactly. laughs> it's uh that would be the tombstone. Absolutely. A yeah, tombstone. It's just a little. It's driver. like a little square in mathematics. It's used okay. for the symbol for QED. But um yeah, tombstone Arizona. I'm sure, there's I think. They made like a movie about it. Yeah, <laughs> one or two things may have happened yeah. that historical yeah. significance. Yeah, it was, I heard it was just an okay crowd. Uh, yeah, so it was, yeah, it's okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was all right. <laughs> nothing, nothing special. But yes, Tombstone. That's exactly what I was looking for. All right, uh, so, Nick, why don't you? You got it right. So why don't you give us yours? All right. Um, so I thought this would be a good way to to give you all an example of one of my bonus questions. Right. So it's it's a it's a question that I, I can almost guarantee you will not immediately know the answer. So it will have to be a discussion between the three of you to come up with which one you're going to submit. Uh, prior to losing to Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania 30, how long was the Undertaker's WrestleMania win streak? And I will give you a range of plus or minus three. Um, oh, well, I don't need a range, but I'll let you guys talk it out. <laughs> do, you, I, do you know this? I watched on? this match. I watched this match and I, I was really, so I was really into wrestling in the nineties and I've followed the undertaker's career for the most part. So. Like, okay. So this might be fun because I didn't watch any wrestling at all. So like, I, this is like, I watched some, uh, I was big into wrestling during like my high school, I guess years, uh, which would be, I think I stopped shortly after Brock Lesnar uh, came into the picture. So it'd be, it'd be around this time. Okay, so um, Corey, if I were to just... I'm going this solely based off of like other combat sports, kind of like 20 sounds like an okay number to start with. Do you I, think that's high, low? No, I, I think that that's pretty close. I do remember that it was a, a big deal. He Undertaker was winning a lot. I'm also assuming he is um, like the winningest or the longest streak. I yes. do believe. By winner. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, oh shit. By far. 
Yeah. And I mean, and I mean we can we can rule out twenty seven through thirty. <laughs> yeah. Um, you don't remember his amazing match in WrestleMania one? <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, I think that twenty like is a good starting 15 point. Fifteen to twenty. Jeremy, do you want to tell us if we're even kind of close? Um, uh you're very close. Uh oh, I shit. actually watched this match. Um and the Undertaker actually got a concussion in the middle of the match from being oh. dropped on his head too many times. Oh, no. Um That'll do it. It to was you. <laughs> yeah, it was uh basically he was going for his twenty second win. Uh, when he was pinned uh, by Brock Lesnar. So okay. he would have had 21 22. wins. Oh, 21. Yeah. He would have had 21 oh. wins. He was going for his 22nd in this match. Okay. Well, uh, 21 is your correct answer. Didn't even need the plus or minus three. No, nope, yeah. nailed it. I was and, I was wrong in my arrogance thinking you wouldn't immediately know the answer. Dramatically well, underestimated Jeremy's love yeah. of. We just doubled our points, too, because we only had one point so far to wager. Yes. And, uh, yeah. We are now double. Uh, I have major holes in my wrestling knowledge because I was very sporadic after like early 2000s. Like I'd watch it here and there, but um, I watched WrestleMania 30. Uh, It was a fantastic show and I was waiting for this match because I do not like Brock Brock Lesnar. I don't know why. Never been a fan. And I'm like, it'll be fun just to see him get his ass kicked by the 50 plus year old. You know, he came in as a, he came in as like a major heel, didn't he? Like he was, he was. And the dude is fucking big. Like, well, and he, but he's had a lot of steroid allegations throughout the yeah. years. He's been banned because of, or like, you know, not well, suspended and stuff. Well, wait, wait, wait. And, what were the steroid allegations? He didn't take his regular weekly dose, <laughs> right? I mean, the dude's huge. Um, but the thing was, it was like it'll be fun to get watch him get beat because the Undertaker always wins. Oh. And literally the entire arena, and I, I mean, I'm watching it at home, but the entire arena went silent when he got pinned. <laughs> oh, like no. there was. It like the, there was looks of shock on people. Like you can still find the memes of like the dude in the audience with the wide eyes and his mouth just hanging open. Like what just happened? The Undertaker. What, what year lose. was WrestleMania thirty? Or when? Um, what year did that happen? Like God, it was twenty fourteen, I think twenty fifteen, like right around there. It, okay. it was about four or five years ago. Gotcha. Um, at least uh, it, it was in that right around that time. Um, okay. Yeah, and April sixth, twenty fourteen. Twenty fourteen. Yeah. So that was recent. That was much more recent than I thought it was. Yeah. So. <laughs> Uh, from 19, what was it? That'd be 93 to 2014. So 1992 to 2014, he had won every year until 2014. Cool. What okay. I what I really remember WrestleManias. What I really remember from uh, Brock Lesnar coming on was, if you've never seen him, this dude had his trapezius. His, his trapezius is like as wide as his shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> like just massive and like oh, he yeah. a very intimidating presence and yeah it was easy to hate him but also uh riveting to watch well it's funny because they don't put him on the mic often they usually have um oh god what's his name the like basically his manager quote unquote um is the one that talks for him because if this guy is gigantic and he goes to talk, and he talks like this. His voice is really, yeah, really high-pitched. Yeah. Um, and I think that's from all the steroid use. Uh, <laughs> but uh, he, uh, yeah. It, okay. it was a great match to see, though. Uh, they, they they put on a good show. It just, I just remember that everybody just complete silence. Like, how do you get 100,000 people just to, like, shut up for a minute? <laughs> you, you drop okay. a big man on his head. <laughs> yeah, right? Um, right. But, yeah, that, that was a good question, Nick. I like that. 
We'll continue the trend, Jeremy. You saved us on that question, so I think it is your turn to share now. All right. My question is this. Mark Calloway is arguably one of the most influential professional wrestlers of our time. You probably know him best by his most famous ring persona, The Undertaker. But if you go back to earlier in his career, you may have known he was the WCWA World Heavyweight Champion, a belt he won from Jerry Lawler, while wrestling under what Frank Castle-inspired ring name? Okay. Uh, I, I I'm 100% on Castle. this. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Frank Castle definitely gave me 100% on it. Um, I probably would have gotten there uh, just like trying to remember wrestling history. But uh, yeah. Yeah. Locked in now. Uh, I could see it. The skull, right? Like that kind of carries over as the motif for. Yeah. I was 0% on the question until the Frank Castle clue. And then Same that, here. yeah. And yeah. That, that's my, the, it, unless you know the history, you're not, uh, this is one of those you either know it or you don't, which is why I gave the in. Right. So, so now you have another, at least somebody on a team would have that in, which would be, uh, well, Corey. Uh, that would be the Punisher. That would be the Punisher. And I believe that was, if I remember correctly, his persona and, and he took over the Undertaker next. Uh. And when he moved to, I don't know if you, I think he moved to WCW first because WWA, I believe, is like one of their cedar things like you do with like NXT now. Um, it was like their minors, which is funny because Jerry Lawler was also wrestling with him, who is huge prolific ref- wrestler in WWF and WWE later on. Um, okay. But yeah, he went from that. And then we went to WCW, became the Undertaker and history. Didn't he? I mean, uh, thematically and in, in title, uh, it makes sense. And that might be why I'm thinking this. I could be totally wrong. But didn't he uh, do a lot of stuff with Paul Bearer early in yes. his career? That so, yeah, goofy that, looking that was, guy. Well, and then it was Paul, that it was Paul Bearer wasn't only his manager. Paul Bearer was his dad and Kane's yeah. dad. And Kane's dad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, man. Wrestling in. in oh, it, it was for people who would swear up, up and down that they would never watch soap operas. Yeah, this exactly. five foot, yeah, this five foot four. You're, you're meant to believe this five foot four, like super overweight dude, um, was the dad of two like six foot five, like beefy wrestlers. Right. The um, uh, the other, uh, so I, I actually wrote two trivia questions. The the one I submitted was the uh, the first one I asked. The other one that I wrote was, uh, what object worn by manor, manager Paul Bearer gives the Undertaker his spiritual powers? <laughs> That was that was the urn, right? Was was it? Yeah, the it was the mis- the mystic urn. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Oh, wrestling is wild. <laughs> well, since I've answered two questions correctly now, I think uh, we'll yeah. continue the trend, and I will give you my question. Are you ready for this? Ba-da-da. Yeah. If you could see the smile on my face, you would oh, not no. be very happy. <laughs> oh, this is uh, why he hasn't posted it yet. All right. Yeah. Are you ready? Well, take a look at Discord. Okay. Oh, oh God. God. Oh, wow. <laughs> All right. This I'm, is a podcast gonna, question. Okay. I'm going to. I'm going to go through it as quickly and I just <laughs> tie your shoes. In my trivia shows, I have five types of rounds. Round one, I call themed open format, meaning it's question answer, but connected somehow. Uh, maybe the category is cows or 1980s TV commercials or whatever. And a question example would be what color is cow milk? Round two is an audio round where I play a snippet of a song. Players come up with the artist and title. These are sometimes themed. Maybe every song is from the 70s. An answer example would be Steely Dan, Black Cow. 
Round three, I call it limited choice. This will have your typical true or false, this or that, and multiple choice questions, uh, but it also might just be answers from a limited pool of options, such as states or presidents, or even be limited by the types of answers, like having all the answers start with C and be worth eight points in Scrabble. Example, this eight point C word, choose cud. Round four is multimedia, typically a picture round with something like identify this breed of cow. And finally, general knowledge is back to open format, but anything goes. No strict themes, maybe something like how many stomachs does a cow have? Uh, so while that's a pretty in-depth look at my trivia format, I don't want you to let all this information distract you from the fact that in 1998, the Undertaker <laughs> threw which wrestler off Hell in a Cell, causing him to plummet 16 feet through an announcer's oh, table. God. I know this answer, but I want to uh, smack you for putting us <laughs> through that. You son of a bitch. The second I heard that, uh, that keyword, I knew exactly what I was doing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Any guesses, Nick? Do you you think you know this one? Uh, No. So my my wrestling watching patronage uh, started in the 80s and made it all the way up to about 1992 or 1993. Uh, and that's where I fell off. So when we talk about the Undertaker, it's this new uh, character on the scene for me. Um, and uh, and they never did the Hell in a Cell matches at those points. Well, uh, I just that, wanna, uh, go ahead, go ahead. I was gonna say that. That being said, I was on a podcast recently where the question was about an Undertaker match and a Hell in the Cell. So I know of exactly one opponent that the Undertaker has faced in a Hell in a Cell match. Well, before before I have you throw that answer out there, I do want to say, uh, and I, I think both Calvin and Jeremy uh, are familiar with this, but uh, this question is basically a meme, uh, a a copy pasta meme from Reddit. Uh, in particular, a user named Shitty Morph would jump into different subreddits and start writing what looked like a very uh, genuine and, and valid response to whatever the uh, you know topic of discussion was, but would always end it with, please do not let this uh, distract you from the fact that in 1998, The Undertaker threw blank off huh. Hell in a Cell and plummeted 16 feet through an announcer's table. Uh, and yeah, yeah, definitely very much a meme, very much a... A, uh, a viral stupid joke. Sure, but sure. I, I couldn't. I couldn't resist. Yep. So that was well I, played. I only. I'm only like fifty percent confident about the actual one because <laughs> you remember Undertaker from the snippet, but I, I always like couldn't remember who the other person was. So, I well, this. Oh, go ahead. It's not Steve Austin. Nope. It's one word. Mm-hmm. And this is this is my problem because it's like I don't even know it's not like a wrestler name I know it's some like man something. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, <laughs> all right, okay. Then that uh, the answer I had was was not one word. It was it was a name. But oh. now now that you said man something, I think our answers mesh together. Probably. Man. God, I'm trying to remember all the. You're so close. I, I I I don't think I'll. I do this all the time. I only get, I only get like half the answer. It's, I'm a very audio person. So I'm like, oh, what well, is this? I, if you want, I can bring us in. 
So mankind. Mankind. It's mankind. mankind. Thank you. It is <laughs> mankind. Yes. Okay, there you go. Mankind um, does not sound like a wrestler name. That's why. Yeah, he was Mick uh, Foley. You probably Mick Foley is what you were thinking of. Yeah, uh, in the in the in the question that I was asked, it was about Mick Foley and Undertaker and what was uh, what was the match yeah. that he fell sixteen feet through. So, yeah. yeah, Mick Foley yeah. was in his persona of mankind. He also had Cactus Jack, Dude Love. He played as Mick Foley. He did Mankind, and he had one other that yeah. I could never remember for a while. Um, but yeah, this probably my favorite wrestling match of all time, actually. Uh, it, it's, it's insane. Like the, I, how he survived this match. I don't even know. Uh, well, Mick Foley just kept, this, he had like nails or like tacks put through a board and like, he set all this stuff up ahead of time. He goes, okay, you're going to throw me onto this tack board. All right. I'm, we're going to get on top of the cage. You're going to throw me through the announcer table. There was a whole behind the scenes of this. They did for a documentary and Mick Foley's like basically kill me. I, w- I want to bleed as much as I can by the Jeez. end of this match for the show. Like he's like, it's uh, for the fans. And you like, gotta, that's insane. You got to give it up for people who, who sacrifice their own safety for their heart. Yeah. Oh, I just want to point don't out. <laughs> nope. Nope. This, this question was basically the uh, Reddit version of getting Rick rolled. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I, I thought that y'all would be a little bit more familiar with it and now I'm like, well, fuck. That fell a little bit flat. But I'm well, glad I, that I, we I remember the meme now. Yeah, no, no, I, I, I remember the meme now, but I knew the answer. answer. So it like went over yeah. my head. Like I yeah. remember this now, like the guy who'd go around to do that, but Yeah, I meant more about yeah, like, the uh the joke itself falling flat. Yeah. No. It's all right. I'll just sit in my corner. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got plenty of questions <laughs> with A different answers. And be a different length of questions. <laughs> and nobody used The Undertaker as the answer. So good job, guys. Yeah, uh, exactly. we, we usually have tend to have at least one of those every week just because sometimes it's easier. You can ask a really interesting question, whereas we're all going to know the answer to it, but it's a really good question. Yeah. Um, but we all managed to use it in the question itself. So awesome. Yeah, that's fine. We did well. Uh, all right. All right. Yeah, if anybody wants to uh, suggest other words that we could use, other keywords for us, uh, make sure you shoot us an email at quadriviapod at gmail.com. And uh, we look forward to hearing your keywords. Uh, Thank you again to Alex Sund. And if you want to vote on your favorite from this week or past episodes, you can do so at quadriviapodcast.com. Mine will be the one that takes up half the page. (laughs) All right. Well, then that brings us into our final segment of the podcast, and that is the game. Nick, uh, you being our guest this week, came in with a uh, round from your games. So we'll get to see your scoring system live and how those questions progress uh, right now from you. So do you want to take it away? Tell us a little bit about it and then uh, try to stump us. Yeah, absolutely. So this uh, this game uh, does very much follow the format that I use on a weekly basis. Uh, the one part of it that is slightly modified is, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago, we went through the holidays. So this is all a themed round. Uh, the scoring system is exactly the same. The only difference from our normal round is instead of just various questions from all over the place, uh, we're going with a theme. And the theme is holiday movies. So, you know, I hope everybody had a happy holiday uh, two, three weeks ago, uh, whatever it was. Uh, This is going to be a nice little uh, reminder while it's still cold out, depending upon where you are. (laughs) All the listeners down in Florida or like Australia or something like that are like, what are you talking about? Uh, Yeah, exactly. It's it's warm here all the time. So, (laughs) all right. I look forward to it. Let's do this. 
Okay, so uh, here is my game for the night. Round uh, round one, question number one. Which Christmas movie was the first lead role for Macaulay Culkin? Uh, well, since this is the first question and worth one point, if I'm not uh, wrong, uh, I don't think it's a trick question. And I think this one's rather straightforward. Shall we just say Home Alone? Yeah, yeah, it's got to be Home Alone, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I know he was an Uncle Buck and stuff before that, but I believe those yeah. weren't really Christmas movies. Exactly. So, Home Alone. Let's lock that in. The correct answer. Uh, you are correct that he was an Uncle Buck. That was not a lead role. Uh, it was a uh, comedic role, I guess. Uh, the correct answer is Home Alone. All right. Question number two. What is the name of the Grinch's dog? I, I, I think I know this. Um, I'll let, say some words. Or I think, yeah, say some I, words. I no, think I'm, it's I'm, Max. I'm 100% on it, so I'm just kind of letting y'all. I don't know, so. I, I think he's, it's Max. He's my favorite. Uh, Corey, what is it then if you're 100%? It, it's 100% Max. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I just, I'm like, we just recently watched this movie too, like, and I don't, I'm pretty sure it's Max, but now I'm like, is it Sam? <laughs> <laughs> All right, your correct answer is Max. Two for two so far in the game. 3.755. Question. <laughs> <laughs> Question number three. Which Tim Burton movie is considered both a Halloween and a Christmas movie? Uh, just knowing the category of the round, you could have stopped at which Tim Burton. Uh, and I think we all would have. Fair. Is there, <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's not Halloween. It's Christmas. So <laughs> yeah, there's only one. It's yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's got to be the Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah, but I think the, uh, the the my favorite little tidbit about this movie is it's it's a Tim Burton movie, but he did not direct it. Correct. And that's one of the things people get uh, confused with. They go, "Name a t you know Tim Burton directed movie," um, blah blah blah, and it's usually like Edward Scissorhands or something like that because it's around the same era, I believe. And it's like people put down Nightmare Before Christmas because like, well, that's Tim Burton. It's like actually no. <laughs> well, I think I think it's. Uh... Part of the problem there, though, is that like it's titled Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas. So it's right. It's if the question has a qualifier about exactly. the director of the movie. Yeah. You, yeah. That's where you make your mistake. And even then, like, you got to feel bad for the people who do put it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. but I know I've gotten taken by that question before. Um, yeah. because I did not know until maybe two years ago it was not directed by Tim Burton. I just assumed it was. Question four. Whose trial is the subject of the miracle on 34th Street? 95% certain on that one. Okay. Um, a complete confession. This, I've never seen this movie. Confession. All I don't these really years. watch holiday movies. I'm, is it just Santa Claus? Yeah, I, I believe it is. That's That's what I was thinking. I thought that that was the whole... I haven't watched oh, it in a while, yeah. but, but yeah, I think it's it's Santa on trial, and then they bring in like the mail and prove it and everything, right? Yeah, because I think he's a con man, right? I think I've heard. I mean, I they, know the yeah, synopsis. They, they think he is, and he has to like prove yeah. who he is, or or am I thinking? Are we mixing up two different movies now? No, I think you're right because I, I know the synopsis, but I don't know. I've never seen the movie in full, but I, I think you're right. Uh, I, I if you we were sitting at a table and tr actually answering this at a pub trivia and you said that I'd be like yes write that down go with it. Okay, yeah. let's just say Santa Claus for number four. S Santa Claus is correct. Ooh. Ooh. 
Ooh. Yeah, the uh, the plaintiff named in the case is actually Chris Kringle. Oh. But yeah, it's Santa Claus. Okay. That is acceptable. And is it, just to clear this up for us real quick, they don't know that he's actually Santa, right? They're just... I mean, the the premise of the movie, the the audience is led to believe that he really is Santa Claus. That's the whole. Yeah, I just that the. So I mean, like the, yeah, the, the little the judge and the lawyers, they don't know or think that he's Santa, and he's proving right. that he is, as opposed to people saying like, "We're suing Santa Claus because he doesn't." Like, <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. No. 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 Yeah. The, yeah okay. the whole premise of the movie is this guy is here. He's obviously crazy because he thinks he's Santa Claus and there's no such thing as Santa Claus. And yet no. the little girl is like, yes, there is. <laughs> and then that's that's the whole premise. Do you know how many <laughs> trivia players are going to are, are just cringing that we I mean, yeah, we got it right. And I, I don't think we ever would have gotten it wrong, but not being as familiar with the movie as we should be. <laughs> I'm going to have to go watch. I mean, it's a, it is a Christmas stables where those like I've never watched the whole thing ever. Right. Well, I, I, I know like I've seen I snippets. I know I know the synopsis. Yeah, it's one that I watched a bunch as a kid and, you know, probably haven't watched in 25 years now. Yeah, 10, 10, 10 points out of 10 points available so far. We move into question number five. In a movie that requires quite possibly the most suspension of disbelief of any movie, who plays Kate Winslet's romantic interest in the 2006 movie The Holiday? <laughs> I oh, I know this one. Movie. I know this one. I do too. Uh, yeah. I, I genuinely, that's that's one of the romantic this, comedies that I really enjoy. Oh, yeah. I will probably watch it this week, actually. We watch this almost every year. Um, uh, that is, uh, Calvin, do you know before I throw it out there? No idea. Are we, are we trying to find some, like, schlubby actor? Yeah. Or yeah. is it, like, Adam Sandler? <laughs> no. No, I think schlubbier. Schlubbier. Um, Ron, <laughs> Rob Schneider? No, Ooh. no, no. I think... Uh, rounder bearded and a little bigger yeah rounder <laughs> jack black yes there you go, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> i, I love how I third guys like no think rounder jack black i don't like that we're calling jack black schlubby i i love no, him i love actor. jack black yeah I, but... in fact i did tenacious d on our karaoke thing last night so you know what it is what it is but, thanks yeah. for helping me get there <laughs> but you've got um was it cameron diaz or whatever goes after jude law and right. then Kate Winslet ends up with uh, Jack Black. All right. Perfect game so far. You guys feel good about yourselves halfway through? Yep. And Unfortunately. I, like I know that. I'm not going to feel exactly, good about yeah. the, myself about the end of this, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Question number six. Who stars in the 2006 movie Last Holiday about a woman who decides to sell all of her possessions and live it up in Europe after learning she has a terminal disease? I'm still oh. feeling about 90% on this one. You know, and I've I, seen I this have movie. I guess as well. I've seen this movie, and I, I can't picture her face. It's like it's blank, and I'm seeing I like scenes from the movie. Feel like it's real. I feel like there's not that many people to confuse her with. <laughs> right? No, I'd say I can't picture the person. Like that's the funny okay. thing. Like, I know this movie. I know the premise. I know I've seen it. And like the actress, like in the scenes, is just like it's blacked out. Like I don't remember who it is. <laughs> If I say, <laughs> right. I, okay, Corey, I, I think we're thinking about the same person. Yeah. If I say, Jeremy, if I say not Beyonce, does that help you at all? Not Beyonce? Yeah. That eliminates one of the uh, <laughs> uh, three and a half billion think, people yeah, in the world. Think yeah. royalty, though. Think royalty. Think oh, some, come on. Not Beyonce, I'm trying to ease royalty. him into uh, it. I could have just said her name right out. Yeah, no. 
you probably just say her name because my brain is not working right now. Want me to jump in, Corey? Yeah, go ahead. I think Corey's trying to get you to say Queen Latifah. Oh, God. Um, yeah. Funny, there it is. The terminal disease part is what actually got me to remember it more so than the title of the movie. Like, it, like, it just suddenly, I suddenly remember that she had a movie with that premise. So, including that helped me, if that's any props yeah. to the question writing. Oh, for, I'll uh, take them. I'll take them wherever I can get them. Uh, but, uh, uh, Queen Latifah, I think. Is and it was also uh, Eugene Levy, wasn't it? <laughs> was yeah. it? Was it not? I think so, yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm a lot more confident on Queen Latifah than on Eugene Levy, but I'm pretty sure that he's in it too. I I like him a lot as well. Queen Latifah. Never seen Queen this. Latifah, LL Cool J, Timothy Hutton, Giancarlo Esposito. Oh. Huh. Uh no Eugene Levy in the top twenty people on IMDb. Oh, wow. Gerard Depardieu, Alicia Witt. Hmm. Huh. But Giancarlo Esposito, that's all you need to know. Like he had to have killed somebody in the movie. <laughs> 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 and s- stole baby Yoda. Oh, what? Sorry. Terrible person. Oh. <laughs> All right. Los Poyos um, Hermanos. So the correct answer was Queen Latifah. All right. Question number seven. The man who invented Christmas is about the life of which classic author? Is it? Is it Christmas Carol guy? Is it Charles? Is it Charles Dickens? Oh, like, yeah. That would be my guess. It's got to be. I mean, no, unless I... it's something more modern. I know. I think you're right. I think you're right. And I only know that from studying information for like doing other question writing. I think I came across that. I, I wouldn't have pulled it out on my own. But after you said it, I feel super confident going with you on that. Like the, if I had to pull something, I feel like I've heard this before and I feel like it's Charles Dickens, but I'm okay. not sure. I'm just going off a Christmas Carol. So, yeah, as the I, only piece of literature that I know with the word Christmas in it. <laughs> I, I I'm Dickens, fully behind you lock, on that. Yeah. yeah. We'll lock in with Charles Dickens. All right. Charles Dickens is correct. Nice. Seven for not seven. <laughs> and I'll jump in. Eugene Levy was in a movie with Queen Latifah and Steve Martin. It was bringing it down the house. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was not another Queen home. Latifah movie. But now I'm glad yeah. that I didn't like mix people up because then I'd feel like shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, question number eight. As of 2019, how many movies have been made in the Die Hard series? One, two, three, four, five. Yeah, I'm feeling it. So, so one, two, one, two, and three. You've Vengeance. got the three. Oh, yeah, yeah. with the Vengeance. And then, and then you've got free. Car Through a die hard, die car harder, right? Helicopter? What helicopter? Uh, number four, that was the Car Through the Helicopter, wasn't it? That was one the, with the funny kid, Justin, Justin Long. Long. Yes. Yeah. That was Live for Your Die Hard. So that's the fourth one. And I think and there was one more after. I think that. it's Die Harder, wasn't it? Because I, I, I know like, there was one I haven't seen. So I'm assuming that's number five. I know that one was announced, but I couldn't remember if it was made or not. A fifth one was. Yeah, announced. I didn't see it if it did, but I thought it was like I thought it was one more recently, and it was yeah. Die Harder. Okay. Yeah. I like five. Five. Yeah, yeah let's say I'm, I'm good with that. Yeah, five. Yeah. All right, uh, your Die Hard movies. Uh, you have Die Hard, Die Hard Two, Die Hard with a Vengeance. My favorite one. Oh, the Live best free. one by far. Yeah, that is the best one by far. Yeah. Uh, Live free or Die Hard. Uh huh. A good day to Die Hard. Oh, is there one more? <laughs> 
The correct answer is five. Oh, good. Five okay. is your correct answer. The sixth movie, which is entitled McLean, was announced yeah. in October of 2020, oh. but no release date has yet been announced. A good day. Oh, a good day to die hard. That's right. I, I don't know why I called it die harder, but yeah, no, that's the one I was thinking of. <laughs> is that, maybe that was a joke on something. Like, that was die, die Hard 2, Die Harder was the joke. It's not the official tagline, but yeah. it is the unofficial one. Okay. It was one of those two, was either four or five. Wasn't one of those... Uh, Done by Kevin Smith. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> no. Didn't he direct? I don't believe you. Kevin no Smith, way. Die Hard. No way. I think you're making things up. Yeah, he live, worked with Bruce Willis and Live for Your Die Hard. Well, he Holy was crap. He was, he was in an it. actor. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Kevin he was Smith the played the. Yeah. He was the hacker in it. Yeah. Oh. Right. Uh, he directed Cop Out. Okay. Which also had Bruce. Oh, close, <laughs> close enough. Right, but yeah. what's the difference? Corey's uh, just naming movies with the same actor with know, a slightly right? different premise. <laughs> I'm, I'm, okay, those two. Like, what's the difference? Yeah. Uh, I just remember that uh, there was apparently some bad blood between Kevin Smith and Bruce Willis after yeah. that. But uh, I think apparently, they... uh, Bruce Willis is very anti uh, marijuana, uh, according oh, really? to this, and it caused a big fight between him and Kevin Smith. Wait, huh. wait, wait, wait. You're telling me that Kevin Smith is pro-marijuana? <laughs> Bullshit. <laughs> well, Geography I mean, and science. quote from him, um, his doctor said that if he did not smoke so much weed, the heart attack would have killed him. It right. slowed down his blood flow enough but that they Jesus. were able to save him. Yeesh. I better start smoking more. Right? <laughs> All right, so, question number. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We got question two number- more. Yeah. Uh, three more. Three more. Three more. Oh, yeah. And the, the wager. Yeah. Question number nine. Which 2015 Christmas comedy horror movie is based oh. on the eponymous character from Austro-Bavarian folklore? I, I think I know this one. Like 99% yeah. sure. I, I, I know the movie. movie. It's going to take, take me a couple seconds to come up with the name, but I know it. I know it's solely from the mythology. Yeah. I, in hindsight, that is a very good good title for or premise for a christmas horror movie does uh, one of you say say it uh, i think it's Cuh. krampus yeah. yes okay yeah no i'm 100 behind you on that too half goat half santa i guess something like along those lines steals children or something like that yeah. instead of yes. like, bringing them presents yeah that word just would not pop into my head krampus with a k yeah. krampus with a k is correct nine out of nine so oh. far in the round all right, your uh, penultimate question, question number 10. What is the name of the third installment of the Harold and Kumar series? Oh, shit. That's the, the Chris- um, yeah, it's a Christmas one, wh- and I think it was like a direct-to-video. Oh. It's like a very... Well, that makes... I, a very Harold and Kumar Christmas or something I, like that, Yeah, right? I, that think, I think... Uh, because I, I know there was Harold and Kumar, Harold and Kumar Escape from Guantan- Guantanamo Bay. Wow, I'm trying to say that word. <laughs> Um, and then I think it was a very Harold and Kumar Christmas. I don't yeah. think there was anything special with the title other than that. I could be wrong, though. It would fit. I mean, I agree. Yeah. It's the Christmas one. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that one. Though. I'm pretty sure that's what it or is. Or is it Harold and Kumar Save Christmas? I think that's a very, I was, I resonated more with a very Harold and Kumar Christmas. Yeah, I'm pretty sure okay. that's what it was. Shall is that we? final answer? Yep. Yeah, it's, a very it's Harold and out. Kumar Christmas. Your correct answer is a very Harold and Kumar Oof. 
3D Christmas. Oh, you. Oh, come okay, on. But you're getting us the point. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Right? <laughs> yeah, uh, that was the original title. It has it has since been changed for ease of access on IMDb. Really? The actual title was A Very Harold and Kumar 3D Christmas. So did they remove the 3D in naming it? No, I, I'm, it's only on the IMDb link. So gotcha. like the posters and the movie and the, the the title cards and everything is 3D Christmas. It's capitalizing on the big 3D movement of the early 2010s. Yep. Yeah, funny. no, according to this, yeah, the IMDb link even says a very Harold and Kumar Christmas, but all the posters say a very Harold and Kumar 3D <laughs> Christmas. Right. Well, and so if you go, if you, if you look, if you click further, on it, it says, yeah. Yeah. In our scoring theme, would you give a point for uh, not including 3D? Uh, so as the host of this event and looking around at my audience and how they're doing in the game, uh, nope, not good enough. <laughs> I am leaving a bad Yelp review. <laughs> I'm going to go, I'm going to find Quadrivia podcast on Yelp and I'm going to say, and leave a bad review. Yes. One star. <laughs> All right, and in the bonus round, uh, you get to wager between zero and ten points. So a perfect fifty-five is still available. Okay. Your bonus: the movie Love Actually follows how many storylines? Oh, oh gosh. Shit. Oh. Okay. I know. I could. We could. We could work our way through this. And I now totally see your point about the good teams being like, well, I don't want to work this one out because right. I don't know it outright. But I think it just, it are, just do you guys want to talk out or are we you can guys talk it out. I've seen okay. the movie once? So, okay. Um, so we can start maybe with the most important to least important in terms of like generalizing. So like there's Hugh Grant as the prime yeah. minister. Yep. Colin Firth. There's Colin Firth as um, the writer with the Portuguese lady. There's the guy who uh, from Walking Dead, whose name I can't remember right Frank now. Frank Darabont so. and Kira Knightley, that whole like she just got married thing. And he uh, does the signs and shit. Yeah. Jeremy, Andrew Lincoln, right? Andrew Lincoln, thank you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I said Frank Terrible. Jesus. <laughs> and I said the wrong person. Um, <laughs> Martin Freeman. There's Martin Freeman. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was a cute story. Um, there's the lady with the autistic brother who likes the guy at her office. Okay. Now I'm forgetting the stories. I think it's right, Martin go, Freeman's let's go over sister. The actresses. Um, so that's there's, five. There's Colin in Wisconsin, where he meets all the world women at the bar yeah. who, who like his accent. Who? And then there's who's Kira Knightley with? Uh, Lincoln, sorry, okay. uh, Walking yeah. Dead guy. Andrew Lincoln, yeah, yeah. Now, and... do we double this up because they each show the other partner or no? No, I think a pairing counts as one. Okay. Yeah, yeah I'm looking oh, for to the storyline specifically. there's Alan Rickman and Emma Thompson. Oh, so that's yeah. seven. Oh, yeah. There's Sam, which is Liam Neeson's kid with the girl from the school. And I don't know if this is a fair question I asked you, Nick. Do you count Liam Neeson and his like kind of Claudia Sheffer thing at the really end? Uh, no, that, that is that is. I think that is part of the um, uh, of the Liam Neeson storyline. Okay, so like Sam and Liam Neeson count as a singular storyline. Yes. Okay. Shit, was that eight or nine? So that's eight. That's, that's eight. eight. And I think that's it. <laughs> I think eights is a lot of storylines. You have way more than I do because like I said I saw the movie once, What's and you're reminding me of stuff I forgot about in this movie. So, 
Um, yeah. Unless there's something we're, that you're not thinking of, which I don't think there is, because it, it's already a that's loaded a enough movie. That's yeah. a that's Corey. I'm I'm so lost. Like I'm already forgetting the first yeah. couple ones that we said. Uh, so I just named people I could remember, and I'm yeah. trusting you to do the rest. Yeah, I've got eight separate storylines. Right did, did we say Rowan Atkinson, Mr. He B? was with the Alan Rickman line. Yeah. Okay. Or he was. Yeah, he was with the Alan Rickman storyline. Okay. Oh, I mean, there's the whole Bill. Bill Nye's not a relationship, right? That one's just like you don't that you're you're kind of romantic relationship. Oh, Bill Nye. Like, yeah. I, like would he, you like me to repeat the question? Oh yeah. Uh, follows how many storylines? Ah, okay, there you go. So, so that's Bill Nye, he has his own. So it's he does count because he's trying to put out his big music hit. Nine, nine. Okay, nine. I'm good with let's that. say nine. We're gonna lock him in nine, Nick. That's that's excellent. It's a good lock in. Uh, but I need you to tell me how much you're gonna wager oh, on shoot. that question. Zero to just, ten. Ten. Just go ten. Let's do it. Just go ten. Ten. Go bigger. Go home. They we're gonna play like one of your. Not elite teams. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, your storylines that are available to you, you do have Billy Mac and Joe, which is the Bill Nye storyline okay. with his with his producer's manager. Mm-hmm. Nye, by the, the way. Bill Nye's the science guy. Uh, how do you pronounce Bill, it? What, it's Bill still Nye. Nye. I think it's still Nye, isn't it's it? It's got a Y at the end. I know it does. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're just saying it's spelled differently. Yeah. 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 Uh, then you've got the Juliet, Peter, and Mark storyline, which is the Kira Knightley, Chiwetel Ejiofor, Andrew Lincoln one. Mm-hmm. You have Jamie and Aurelia, which is um, Colin Firth. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. You've got Justin Harry. Cases. Yep. You've got Harry, Karen, and Mia, which is Alan Rickman, Emma Thompson storyline, mm-hmm. which you are correct, does include Rowan Atkinson. Yeah. You've got David and Natalie which is the Hugh Grant prime minister yeah. storyline. Billy Bob Thornton's in there too. Yeah. Yeah. He's like the president. Yeah. Billy, Billy Bob Thornton is the president. Yeah. American president. Yeah. Uh, you've got your Daniel, Sam, Joanna and Carol storyline, which is the Liam Neeson, uh, hmm. Thomas Sangster storyline. <laughs> uh, you've got Sarah, Carl and Michael, which is the Laura Linney storyline. Yeah. That is the one with the brother. Yeah. Okay. Oh, nope. You've got Colin, Tony, and the American Girls. Oh yeah, <laughs> which was a good pull. What, what are we up to so far? Are you that's eight. That's eight. Okay. Yeah, you've got your John and Judy storyline, which is Martin Freeman and Joanna Page. Just Judy. Yeah, so that puts the, us at our the nine. movie stars, if you will. Or and that Max. is it. You have oh. nine separate oh. storylines in the movie wow. Love Actually. Yes, who remembers Love Actually? Holy shit. Well. well done. <laughs> yeah. so, nice job, Calvin. That was that we all you. We're that Ooh. much better on Love Actually than on Miracle on 34th Street. Uh. I mean, yeah, like Love Actually was a movie that came out when I was. Yeah, I'd like, say it's a generational thing, honestly. Exactly. So. So. Yeah. So one one other small note about that question. So if you if you go to Wikipedia to to look at the uh, the Wikipedia article, to, it has an outline of every one of the storylines. Mm-hmm. Wikipedia says there are ten storylines. Which really? So the tenth storyline that they list is the storyline of Rowan Atkinson's character, which you mentioned, who was both mm-hmm. part of the um, Alan Rickman Emma Thompson storyline 
And if you remember at the very end of the movie, the race through the airport scene, he was the one who distracted the ticket taker. Yeah. To get That's the kid weak. through. I would I would yeah. counter write that Wikipedia article yeah. to take that so, if it were me. While I and I believe the the point of that character was that in the original script, the Rowan Atkinson character was supposed to be this um Christmas angel character that was in, in inserting himself into all of the storylines, but I think he got cut out of enough of the storylines that he that that they lost that. It didn't didn't uh-huh. translate. So yes, I rewrote it as part of this trivia question. He was not enough of a storyline to be counted mm-hmm. on his own. Yeah, yes. we never thought he would have been enough. Like, or I never thought it would have been enough to <laughs> no. consider him a storyline. Huh? No, because wow. it doesn't I really thought follow of him. Love actually in its entirety in that long in a long time. I always thought about it in yep. like bits and pieces. Forcing me to re reevaluate all the storylines was a. That's a good one. Right. Now I'm yes. going to like, watch like four movies this week. <laughs> Harold and Kumar, Krampus, <laughs> Die Hard, yeah, Die Hard well 2, Die Hard with them. Vengeance. All Die Hard. Right. Last Holiday yeah, was... and Bringing Down the House. Actually, <laughs> do, you, do you remember what airport Die Hard 2 was in? Was it Chicago or was it not? The Chicago? actually filmed in? No, Die Hard 2 was uh, was here. It was Dulles Airport in Washington, oh, D.C. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yep, that's an easy one for me. Gotcha. All right. So, Dude, all right. Well, a, uh, was a good 11 round. questions, 55 points is a perfect score. It's 55 out of 65, but you know, <laughs> I just have a question. So your bonus, like the way I do bonuses, whenever I feel like doing it is you can get at most the points that you like, you could only make up points that you have lost. So if you were perfect and you get a bonus question, it's like, meaningless but you let people get out of 65 points yeah 65 is the most possible points available to you and that's again this is where we talked about how unintentional 420 was (laughs) it's 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 65 points around and then the picture puzzle fill in the blank and music rounds are all two points a piece for the correct answers Mm -hmm. and then and the music round all has a common theme so you get title and artist and then if you get the theme you get five bonus points. If you don't get the theme, it's a zero. Gotcha. You know, we actually, we missed a pretty big discussion topic, which uh, fortunately I think we have plans to do a whole nother episode that this can uh, uh, fall into. But uh, I assume that your wager could also, it's negative points, correct? Correct. Yeah. You, you Uh, gain the 10 points. If you get it right, you lose the 10 points. If you get it wrong. So, and that the, the wager is, uh, rounds one through four round five is zero to 20. Big points. Yeah. We, yeah. yeah. We never talked about We didn't even talk about negative points. Yeah. We we have a wager question too. I didn't even think to bring up because of (laughs) everything we were talking about. Well, at the very end. So book a market for another time. (laughs) Oh yeah. Wagering. Well, shit. Uh, You know what? Yeah. (laughs) We'll have a whole nother episode on that. That's okay. Uh, we already covered so many things. This is going to be another long episode. Uh, <laughs> but at the end of this episode, hi, I'm Corey with Third Degree <laughs> uh, Entertainment. We still have some out- outros to do. I know. That's what oh, I'm yeah. doing. I'm doing the outros. Oh, well, <laughs> can we at least say, hey, Nick, that was an awesome trivia round. Thanks for doing that. <laughs> <laughs> we, we already did. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you all did so well. I'm always that. I'm always concerned uh, that it'll either be all or nothing, right? Nobody gets anything right or everybody gets it all right easily. The the way that you guys went through that 
I'm, I'm, you know, I don't care that you got, you know, 10 out of 11 questions in the round. I mean, good, good for you. Good work. But the point was your team of three put your heads together with what each of you knew individually, oh, yeah. you triggered things in other people's minds. You were able to talk through the bonus exactly like I intended uh, in order to get to the correct answer. And, and, you know, at the end of it, excellent work. Yeah. None of us would have had this score individually for sure. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely not. not. All right. So with that said, then let's get into the outros. Uh, Nick, when we get to you here, uh, go ahead and make sure you, uh, you know, give us a, you know, pimp everything out that you're doing. Yeah, sure. But uh, Corey, you want to start us off? Yeah, that's why I already tried. (laughs) (laughs) I swear, every time I try to outro, I fuck it up somehow. Uh, I'm Calvin with Speakeasy Trivia in Washington, (laughs) D.C. I'm Corey with Third Degree Entertainment in Spokane, Washington and Northern Idaho. Uh, You can find me on the internet just search third degree entertainment or uh, hit me up on twitch at uh, you know twitch.tv slash third degree entertainment i'm calvin with footnote trivia uh you can find me online at footnotetrivia.com. you can sign up for my zoom games there uh i'm nick groves i'm with city trivia uh you can find the most important piece of what we're doing right now at uh actually it's on the app store it's on the google play store uh trivial rush is the name of the app uh trivialrush.com uh you can find links to everything you need there and how the game is played and all the intricate pieces of it um 10 questions 60 seconds you can win real money uh by playing trivia uh it costs nothing to download uh so go nuts uh we also have a book available on amazon uh both in the kindle version and in the hardback version it is called we don't know either um so it's just honestly it's just 10 rounds of our trivia laid out so if you own a bar if you're listening to this if you want to hire somebody but they're not in your area buy the book that's 10 weeks of free uh, not free it's 10 weeks of uh trivia for much much less than you would pay a company i'm actually Um, holding it right here as if people could see me um right i have the book it is very good it goes through a whole bunch of their trivia so yeah check it out Yep. Uh, you can also find uh, the podcast that I host, Things That Are Blank, uh, on Spotify, or you can go to TrivialWarfare.com, uh, or We Don't Know Either, uh, which you can find at WeDon'tKnowEither.com. Awesome. Man, make sure you guys check out Nick. I am Jeremy with Liquid Courage Entertainment in Chicago. You can find us on Facebook at uh, Facebook.com slash Liquid Courage. You can find me on Twitch.tv slash LKJeremy and on Twitter at, at JRWG. Uh, you can find us at the Quadrivia Podcast at quadriviapod at gmail.com. Feel free to shoot us an email on Twitter at, at quadriviapod, on Facebook at quadriviapod, and uh, quadriviapodcast.com to vote on your keyword challenge and see what else Corey has up there. Yeah, right so, now, it's mostly uh, just the questions that we've asked. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, anything else? Uh, Nick, you want to give us our patented outro? Uh, no.
Jeremy, stop. <laughs> How is that for a transition? It's not. I'm trying to talk here for the okay. last fucking six Cut. minutes. You, to- you, you gave the note, like, I acknowledge that Corey has a transition, and you just... Oh, I, I missed that. I just saw the wrap up soon. My bad. Literally, <laughs> you want to go back and redo beforehand. it? Like. All right, never mind. Forget I said anything. Ken cut everything I said. We're going to go back, and Corey's going to do his transition. Thanks. So.